Amarillo. So Amarillo. <laughs> <laughs> Amarillo. lives in Amarillo. 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 Uh, how many times are we going to say Amarillo? But <laughs> <laughs> don't keep this train rolling. <laughs> Amarillo. Sorry, I'm, I'm really done now. Spanish must. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Girls Who Read Good. This is Adrian. I'm Megan. Hey, I'm Jessica. Join us for this week's Girls Night In. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Well, no, here's what I meant to say. <laughs> Sup, home skillets. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> hi I'm your host. If you're wondering why I said that trash, it's because this book is set in the 90s. Hit me up on my pager. <laughs> um, Call me on my pager. <laughs> Call me on peak time. Okay. <laughs> After nine. Exactly. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Anybody got a payphone? <laughs> exactly. Where's the nearest payphone? I got a message on my two-way. There's a lot of payphones in this book. <gasps> yeah. Do you guys remember that? Uh, what is it? 1-800-94-Jenny. 10-10-220. Dial 10-10-220. And it was like a free, toll-free calling service. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I just remember the 1-800-94-Jenny. Our book this week is Perfect by Judith McNaught. Uh, it follows the story of our main characters. However, there are a lot of characters in this book. So I'm just going to talk about the main ones, mostly. Mostly, yeah. There's a lot of side characters. This book was 667 pages. Yeah, it was a doozy. There was a lot that could have been cut, in my personal opinion. but 88 chapters, mm-hmm. my friends. 88 chapters. And an epilogue. Yeah. And a prologue. Oh, my God. My favorite. <laughs> It follows the story of Julie Smith, who turns into Julie Matheson, and, hold on, it'll come to me. His name is Zach Benedict. <laughs> That's ding, right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, Tell her what she's won. <laughs> yeah. And it's set in third person, but it kind of goes back and forth between Julie and Zach. Julie and Zach. Their points of view. Along with the side characters. Yeah. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. We're going to start this week off with a quickie. The quickie. Jessica, can you please tell me about this book in 15 words or less? (laughs) Challenge posted because (laughs) that's pretty hard. (laughs) I received the challenge and here we go. Classic case of insta-love between an escaped prisoner and intuitive teacher. Think Stockholm Syndrome gone right. Mm. Hmm. Classic case. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, the classic case. It's, it's none awesome. other than a love story. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. All right, and I have a fun little game for us to play if nobody has a walk of shame. Anybody? No. I got nothing. But we do love games, so let's Games, games, go. games. Bring on the games. All right. Since there's a part in, a bo- in the book where Zach makes up a fake town... I thought it would be fun if we guessed, if I made up a name. I feel like the author is from Colorado because in the beginning, I read the blurb in the beginning. (laughs) Um, It's a very important topic. And she talks about how initially women who are illiterate and like helping women who are illiterate and, you know, how big of a problem it is Mm -hmm. was not going to be in the book at all. Right. And then Coors, Coors came to her (laughs) and they were like, hey, like, add this in blah i don't know if they spot sponsored it i i don't know but 
Yeah. Makes sense that that happened and she's also set her story partially in Colorado. She rented a cabin too to write the book in Colorado. Mm. So she was in a Colorado mountain house when she wrote this. And she basically asked for two more months because the book was pretty much finished when Coors asked her to include Mm -hmm. the illiteracy issue for women. So she asked for an extension from her publisher and they gave her two more months to write it. She tied it in pretty well, I will say, for a book to be almost finished. Like I thought she did a a pretty good job of weaving the added element Mm -hmm. sponsored by Coors (laughs) into it. Yeah. If I hadn't, because I also read the blurb, if I hadn't read it, I wouldn't have thought, this doesn't really fit. Yeah. I got thrown in. Yeah. (laughs) But also, Colorado's not in the book as much as I thought it was. Like, when they talk about the synopsis, I guess, that's on the back, they make it seem like the whole thing is set there. And it's not. Mm -hmm. All the interesting parts are there. Yeah. I would say the first (laughs) 300 pages are there in Colorado. Cool. Back to the game. Game time. Let's go. Game time. Okay, so the game is I'm going to say a city name, and you're going to tell me if it's a real Colorado city or if I just made it up. Do we yell out the answers? You're both going to answer on each one of them. Okay, got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. I have seven. I will not do any more than that. (laughs) Okay. So don't ask. It's a (laughs) 50-50 shot, I feel like. Don't ask. (laughs) I won't do it. Okay. Our first one. No name. That is a city. Yes, city. Correct. You drink, Adrian. Damn it. What? Yeah. <laughs> Them's the breaks. Yeah. Oh, you just made up that rule, but I will. But it's a good one, so we're doing I'll it. I'll adhere to it. <laughs> it's house rules on Megan's behalf. Mm. <laughs> My spokesperson. <laughs> Climax. You go first. Don't look at me for. Don't look at. Don't look to me for the answers. No, not a real city. I'll say it is a real city. It is a real city. Boom! Mega drinks! Damn. Where is it? <laughs> it's I didn't look men, up where they were. Men can't just... find it. <laughs> but I can't. Is there a G spot? <laughs> men will never go there. <laughs> it's a secret society. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Dicks. Dicks, Colorado. Hmm? Hmm? I'll say. F- I'll say it's not. I'll say it is. It is? <sighs> Boom! Tied. Mm-hmm. It's like when you, it's like on a multiple choice test and you say C too many times, <laughs> you're like, mm, I need to switch it up. Mm, throw yeah. a D. Yeah, B. yeah. <laughs> let me throw a B in there. <laughs> it's D I X, though. Not um, like, still, like multiple dicks. <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. Or dick sporting goods. If you yeah. want to keep it G rated. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fool's hope. Fool's Hope. Mm-hmm. One word. Mm-hmm. Fool's Hope, Colorado. Sounds like a gold mining town. Mm-hmm. I will say yes. It's real. I will say nay. It's not real. Damn it. Woo! Two to two with Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't even say this one with the straight face. It's false. <laughs> Just kidding. Snail Trail, Colorado. Ah, that's not real. Not real. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to get yeah. that in there. <laughs> the roads sound like <laughs> Had to give you an easy one. Give you the break. This is um, a tiebreaker then. This is the no, seventh one. We have two more. Oh, two more? Mm-hmm. Oh. Nowhere. Nowhere, Colorado. Real. real. True. Mm. That is true. That is you drink. 
Okay, so how many? Back. How many? It's three to five. I, so I think so. Either way, Megan's gonna win. But let's just do the last one. Okay. It's last chance. That is a real. That's tab. real. Yes, that's correct. I think the real loser is Adrian, <laughs> who can't count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you can drink. Okay. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about something I'm going to win, which is sex bets. Sex bets. Sex bets. Dun, 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 dun. Sex bets. Sex bets. Um, I won. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. So they um, <laughs> have intercourse in chapter 31. 31. 31. Out of mm-hmm. 88 chapters. <sighs> That's correct. Yeah. And I said 21. Jessica said 15? 16. She said no. 18. I said 18. You said 15. Yeah. Well, I really fucked up then. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, to be fair, Adrian didn't tell us how many chapters there were. I feel like if we had been like, if she if had, we had said, known there were 305 <laughs> chapters, we probably would have gone up a little bit, wouldn't we have? <laughs> okay. But in my defense, somebody doesn't know their Wi Fi password and could allow me to log in. How many times do I have to tell you it's me with the Patrinian? Okay. You just, do you want me to just save it in your phone? I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> exactly it's, like it sounds. Cheers. Cheers. To being the biggest losers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's cast this uh, book, shall we? We shall. Yeah. Jessica? Okay, me first. Me first, me first. Okay. So, for the main male character, Zach, I chose Justin Baldoni. Oh, from Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. I love him. He is an actor, and he's a director in real life. Mm -hmm. And I just pictured him the entire time I was reading it. Hmm. I love him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's super. And it's funny because I, you know, I've always thought you and Gina Rodriguez are like... Twinsies. Not not twins, but vibes. It's the vibes, not the looks. I'll take it. I ain't no virgin, but I'll take it. And then for my Julie... Mm-hmm. I did Shalane Woodley. I thought Shailene? Shailene. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <Minera? laughs> Wait, what is it? Shailene. Oh, okay. What did so, you say? Shalane? <laughs> Shalane. <laughs> Shalane. Shailene. Shailene. Okay. All right. Whew, starting over. I choose Shalane. No, just we got it okay. what is it we're keeping Shailene. it in anyway okay shailene woodley from i think she feels like she, she has a like 90s vibes you know mm-hmm. this book is set in the 90s so i just i see yeah it. and she's also been in everything and i think she's, she's a good, good crier like i feel like yeah. julie in the book cries like she has good hysterical moments and in the movies that miss woodley is in <laughs> <laughs> S. Woodley. Madame Woodley. <laughs> I feel like she's a good crier. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so my. God damn it, I do this every time. Zach. Zach. <laughs> my Zach is Ian Summerholder because she oh. talks about like how his eyes are so blue and mm-hmm. his hair is dark and like he's got the like movie star good looks and that's. Okay. Ian Summerholder. Ian, Ian at the beginning of Vampire Diaries or at the end of Vampire Diaries? He looks completely different. I don't remember. Like, when he has, like, a slight scruff and, like, a mm. little bit longer hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Julie. And 
my Julie is Zoe Deutsch. Oh, I love mm. her. She's so pretty. Yeah. She's got the like teacher, like sweet girl next door looks, and yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. chestnut hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my Julie is Alexis Bledel. Mm. Okay, she has that innocent look to her. Plus, she's got like stunning blue eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the chestnut hair. And then my Zach was Army Hammer. Even though I know he controversy, <laughs> I know he eats people or whatever. <laughs> but like a hint of cannibalism. <laughs> but okay. it's just like the not important pieces, you know. He. <laughs> Yeah, well, he had this same kind of role in the movie Rebecca and that was on Netflix, and he did really, really well in it. Like, yeah. he's a pretty good actor. I don't know about his personal life, what's going on there, but yeah. the age difference, they would look good with that age mm-hmm, difference mm-hmm, between them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Canceled, I say. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> yeah, I... Okay. I almost chose him for the a favor for a favor, but I was like, cannibalism out. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Okay, so Carol's dirty word is difficult for me. I, I thought it was difficult. It's not difficult. <laughs> it's not okay. difficult. I'm going to say that it's exactly. I think that that's a good one. Okay. Yep. For that us. That's a good one. Yeah. With that said... Prologue time. We Pro- ready to dive in? Prologue time. Let's dive. Let's dive. Okay. Oh my. What does this book start with? A prologue. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we meet Margaret Stanhope, who we find out is filthy rich. She has called a family meeting with her grandchildren, Elizabeth, Zachary, and Alex, who are your typical like rich kid stereotypes. Margaret calls them spoiled, spineless, promiscuous, and irresponsible. We also find out that the Stanhope family has really bad luck. Like, it's almost like a Kennedy curse on them. And Nice. Nice analogy. Thanks. It's true. <laughs> it's true. They have a ton of tragedy in their family. Margaret Stanhope's son and his wife died while driving drunk in a sports car uh, and losing control on an icy road. Uh, Margaret's husband died while flying his plane in Mexico. With his 25-year-old mistress. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, Margaret's husband wasn't the best dude. Spent his money on women, even going as far as to bring prostitutes to the house for his grandchildren, who were like 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a no-no zone for me. Yeah, it's, it's just gross. And then Margaret's like home when all of this happens, and he doesn't even really try to hide it from her, which I think is trashy. But also, uh, the eldest brother we learn has died yeah we don't know the specifics but yeah yeah it's like a it's like what like a week after he's died or something sounds Ugh. weird so no it's the like grandfather the grandfather so yeah the old eldest Margaret's husband grandson died and then the grandfather died mm-hmm. and now it's a week after that yes after we find out that they have a loveless marriage and he did margaret's like <laughs> I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. Like, no more scandals, no more of this behavior from the children. And we come to find out that Zachary reminds Margaret so much of her husband. Like, he's like a spitting image of him at that age. We find out that Justin, who wasn't mentioned previously, was her favorite, and he's also the grandson who died. So Margaret tells 
Elizabeth and Alex that she is no longer supporting him. And if they keep up their antics, like, you know, partying hard, having sex, doing all of the things that cause scandal to the family, then she's going to kick them out. And instead of going back to their Ivy League schools, they need to live at home with her and then she'll pay their way. But when it comes to Zach, she's like, you just get out and just take the clothes on your back. Like, we never want to hear from you again. And if Elizabeth and Alex even so much as try to help you, then they'll be disowned too. Yeah, she won't even let him take the car. Like, she's like, Or pack any clothes. She's like, the clothes on your back is all you have. Get GTFO, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't really, it doesn't, at this time, it doesn't explain, like, her reasoning. So you're just like, man, she's a fucking bitch. Yeah. I was about to say the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) The E word. That's what (laughs) happened. Um, So this prologue ends with Zachary walking down the street, uh, hitchhiking, and coming across a gentleman who's driving out to Los Angeles. And he's like, yo, buddy, can I get a ride? And he's like, yeah, come on in. Mm -hmm. He's super quiet in the car and the guy's like hey i just bought this apartment i'm moving in and zach's like do you need any help he's like yep i'm working for this movie studio so come on with me and then we get to chapter one do you know what's really interesting though about like the whole hitchhiking thing it's i mean this book was written you know eons ago 25 plus years ago so like times are different than me reading it now and being as aware of like the environment and mm-hmm. It is. I'm like, this dude is either going to get murdered, he's a pervert, and he's like, you want some, you want to help me? I just drive on to my apartment and you can crash with me? And I'm like, get out now. Stranger danger. Yeah. Yeah. So the prologue takes place in 1976. Such a different time from where we are now. (laughs) Do you think that it was a different time or do you think we're now privy to more information than we were back because then? of social media mm-hmm. i mean like I, shit was going down we just didn't know about it i think that a lot i think that there's it just wasn't getting out there as fast and then it wasn't being circulated like it is now you had to wait for it to be on the news or something to hear about it and then spread from wherever it happened to mm-hmm. the rest of the world you know what i think is weird is that as a where and how much access we have now serial killers are not a thing it's all about the mass shootings when was the last time you heard of a serial killer on the news that wasn't a documentary yeah that's what i was gonna say only a documentary mm. a documentary <laughs> <laughs> i said it right i said it right <laughs> anyways food for thought right you could get away with more back then because we didn't know shit we were real dumb we didn't have dna evidence yeah true very true. also like police departments didn't communicate with each other <laughs> so the second they're out of city lines it's like well but that's my jurisdiction. That, i think that's how like times are different because of the access we have now now there's it's it's databases. forced <laughs> it's forced times to be different it's exactly like that like yeah. i just think that there's more people oh to... it's what 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 is it <sighs> good catch <laughs> good catch Jessica. precisely like that <laughs> indubitably so i think i'm gonna be the one that has the problem with this word perhaps chapter one we jump to 1978 and meet julie smith 
Way, way back in time. <laughs> we jump ahead to 1978. <laughs> now we're in the future, which is future past. In, fact, in the past. <laughs> Marty! Anyways. <laughs> cool. That's a back to the future reference in case you're too young for that. That's correct. <laughs> so we meet Julie Smith, who has an appointment with a therapist. At this point, Julie is 12. And she's a troubled child, she is. This is almost like a second prologue. Yeah. This drove me crazy. It's like, oh, we're going to have the first prologue, and then we're going to have another prologue. It's but like, it's oh. two years later. It's way, way, way more. It's but still yeah, we're still not present day. <laughs> All right. I feel like prologues should be anything that's not present day. I'm just saying. So she's trying to fill out this... Um, information sheet at the doctor's office and we find out that she can't read so she's making every excuse in the book to get out of the room go to the bathroom to avoid having to tell the receptionist that she doesn't know how to read and she can't write any of the information on there we also learn about julie's past and that she was born premature left to die and had a plethora of health issues from her first year, few years. Her first foster family put her back into the system uh, during adoption proceedings because they decided to get a divorce. And then the second family that was going to adopt Julie gave her up because she got pneumonia and their child had died at the same age Julie was and just didn't want to deal with another child being sick and having to deal with that emotion. On top of that, um, her caseworker ends up getting in, into an accident and never comes back to work after it. So she falls through the system. And before they realize it, she's like five years old, falling behind and all of the things. It was just really depressing. Yeah. yeah. And no one catches it. Like, not even her teachers at school. They're just like, oh, she's so sweet and adorable. We're just going to pass her on. Yep. Someone else's problem. And so yeah. now she's 12 and doesn't know how to read or write. Yeah. So she's in foster care. Um, again, like Jessica said, she's kind of been passed around in the system. And then in school, they just feel bad for her. So they just keep moving her along, saying how cute she is. She's real cute. During this time, uh, the foster care system opens up a program where she can go speak to a therapist. So her therapist is Dr. Teresa Wilmer. And she's done a ton of tests on Julia to learn more about her. So... Julie's been getting into trouble. Um, she recently was arrested because she was with some older kids who were trying to steal a car and just she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, guilty by association, and she got arrested too. So she's kind of a klepto and she's in the office and she steals like the pen and a pencil. And yeah, she's stealing the materials to steal another car because that's what the, the kids had taught her. Like, this is what you need if you want to hotwire a vehicle. Yeah, and she stole candy too. So she's, she's, she's like, food for the ride. For the <laughs> yeah. Girls gotta eat. So her snakes, candy for the road. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Wilmer has been doing these tests on her, and she finds out that her IQ is really high. She's super smart, even though she can't read. She, she tests so high and everything else. Doctor Wilmer wants to help her out and finds this family in Texas who all Mathesons. Miss Miss Matheson, Miss Mary Matheson, is a a teacher and her husband is a preacher and they have two sons so julie's first thought when she hears about this family is not to get her hopes up she's like do they know everything about me have they heard my history do they know i've been arrested and i'm 12. dr Wilmot tells julie they know everything and this is going to be a fresh start the only thing that they ask of her is to be honest so as she's leaving the office to go with to go basically meet her new family she puts everything back that she stole 
and she's trying to start yeah, fresh. Sweet. Start a new leaf. Sweet Turn baby. over a new leaf. So now it's three months later, but still <laughs> not present day. <laughs> still not present day. The pro pro prologue. <laughs> the post prologue. Yeah. <laughs> Pre story. Yeah. So after three months of living with the Mathesons, Julie just feels so loved. They give her hugs every night, tell her to say her prayers, and she's got a room of her very own, which she's never had before. So she's just really happy where she's at. Uh, one day at school, there's a theft of money that the teacher had left on the desk, and the only person that had stayed in from, I guess, recess or lunch or something was Julie. And so the principal and the teacher automatically blame her and say, like, she definitely took the money. Like, look at her history. Uh, she definitely did this. <laughs> She's the newbie. The thought it's the foster kid. As Taylor, my daughter, would say, that's sus. Yeah, she says it. That's what? Sus. Pretty sus. Pretty sus, yo. Oh, I get it. Okay. Sorry, I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like, what? Julie overhears the principal tell his secretary that he's going to call her parents. And she's immediately terrified. She knows that, you know... In the past, if people heard that she did bad stuff, they, like, kicked her out and put her back in the system. So she gets off the bus. Her knees are shaking. She goes inside, and her brothers are looking at their new poster of none other than <laughs> Zachary Benedict. <laughs> I was about to call him Benedict. Bennett, yeah. <laughs> Zachary. Zachary Binks. <laughs> Aww. I love that movie. Sisters! <laughs> did you know it's not Zachary, though? It's, it's Zachary. Zachary. Yeah. Zachary. Zachary Binks. (laughs) He's the it guy in Hollywood right now. They're like, this guy's so cool. What do you think about him? She's like, "Mm, okay, whatever. Don't care. I'm worried about being able to stay in this house. So how about it? She's like this little girl, Julie. She's throwing, she's not throwing a pity party, but she's super like jaded about her past. She's like, small cookies, but I won't even be able to eat them because I'm not going to be able to be in this house much longer. And and she was like, it was nice knowing you guys. Thanks for... (laughs) Thanks for being some good brothers. Thanks for being some good brothers while it lasted. Yeah. So the Mathesons, Mr. and Mrs., were in their bedroom, and they come out. Julie's standing in the hallway, and Mary Matheson asks her, she's like, hey, do you want a snack before you start your homework? And she's like, didn't you hear about what happened at school? And Miss Matheson's like, yeah, there's some money stolen at school. And Julie's like, do you want to know if I did it? And she's like, did you do it? And she goes, no. And she goes, then that's that. She's like, okay, cool. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, she's not used to people like trusting her word. Yeah. So she's like, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like, you you believe me? And they're like, we asked one thing of you. Mm-hmm. And in turn, you got our trust. So we trust that you're telling us the truth. And that like floors her. And then she's like, I am loved. Yeah. And from this moment on, I'm going to be perfect. Yeah. So the following week, they find out that this seventh grader was really the one that stole the money to buy beer. They didn't card nobody. I don't get carded anymore either, and it makes me sad. Really? I look like an old haggard lady. I was playing golf the other day, and this kid called me (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. You're from the South, and that offended you? You know better. It didn't offend me. I just was not ready. I'm not, I don't feel I'm at the ma'am age yet, but I, apparently I am. And that just crushed my soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. So Julie's totally jazzed when she finds out that the seventh grader has been caught and the principal is really reluctant, but he apologizes to her. And then she goes home and she's like, I told you I didn't do it. And they're like, well, we told you we believed you. So cool. Great. Good to know. 
the following winter, we're still not out of 1978, but we're in the winter, or the following winter, maybe it's 1979, <laughs> who knows, time's weird. <laughs> um, we stand by that. <laughs> um, Julie's birthday rolls around, and she's got all these presents and everything, she's just having a great time and the last one she opens is a petition for adoption so she officially becomes a matheson and it's a good foundation it's a good backstory for her later that week her brothers take her to a movie starring none other than (laughs) zach benedict i was about to say (laughs) zachary binks And they're asking Julia, they're like, what do you think about this guy? What What do you think? He's pretty cool, huh? And she's like, he's old and he's really cold, actually. Like, he just seems like he's mean. Yeah, she's 12. He's 21. There's a nine-year age gap. So that's the, the end of that. And then we jump to 1988. Still not present day. Yeah. <laughs> Still not present day. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Not going to get there for a while. <laughs> Just All right. Zachary. The year I was born. <laughs> Zachary is a big time director and star who's uh, won an Academy Award for Best Actor and Director. And he's working on a movie called Destiny mm-hmm. um, that is way over budget. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of bad luck on this set. Like, yeah, you know what it reminded me of? The Crow? Yes! Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that movie is so cursed. Yeah. The, Le- the Bruce Lee and his whole family. Yeah. So they're way over budget. Timing has gone over. They've had a couple of like setbacks on the set. Setbacks on the set? Yeah. You like that? <laughs> I'll do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling on that same set is of tension and exhaustion. Like people are just like, what's going to happen next? One can never be too sure. We find out that the night prior, Zachary's wife, Rachel Evans who is a lead actress in this movie, um, is having a real-life affair with her lover in the movie, Tony Austin. Zach has a meeting the night before they're shooting this final take and had told Rachel he would not be back um, and would be staying in one of the trailers on set. He forgot some notes, and when he goes back to the hotel with a few of their crew members, he walked in on Rachel and Tony in bed. Doing the nasty. Together. The horizontal mambo. Yeah. Mambo. Tango? Polka. Yeah, the horizontal polka. It's a horizontal polka. Tango. (laughs) The horizontal mambo. The wango tango. It's the horizontal mambo number five. (laughs) Mambo number five. (laughs) A little bit of Rachel. I'm going to fact check this. All right. I don't make the better than tango. I don't make the rules. I just repeat the rules. (laughs) Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're not, but this time we're right. Yeah. If we're right, and that's the more Googled response than you the other drink. ones, you drink. That's them to breaks. Isn't that what you told me? <laughs> them to breaks. Them to rules. Horizontal tango. Urban dictionary. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's not a thing. I'm just saying the more popular one is horizontal polka. Oh, how would I fucking know that? <laughs> Should we take a poll? The yeah. horizontal... Horizontal mambo. I said that one too. I still haven't seen polka yet, though. Let me tell you what. Horizontal polka, right here. What'd you Did Google? Did you Google it? The horizontal sex reference. First one is polka. Just saying what mine says, and it's not that. How about we both drink? Because we're both right. Oh, God. 
how about Bonk. you can say horizontal <laughs> insert dance moves here? I'm never going to say polka, and you can't make me. It's the horizontal Dougie. <laughs> Chicken noodle soup. <laughs> the horizontal Tootsie Roll. We are in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Ooh, totally Not yet. We're, train. Still, we're in the 80s. Ooh, that's a different... <laughs> Ooh, the horizontal train. train. <laughs> it's a different kind of. It's a it was, different it's type of same. train. It wasn't the same back then. It is as bad as it is now. <laughs> Oopsie uh. daisies. <laughs> okay, so after he walks in on Rachel and Tony in bed together, he attacks Tony and breaks two of his ribs. Um, Rachel is screaming at him to stop, and this causes a scene in the hotel, so a bunch of the other hotel guests are now coming out to see what's going on. Zach tells Rachel to get out of his room and to go stay with Tony. Uh, He basically says, get out of my sight, or I might not be responsible for what I do to you. And as she's walking out, she's like, we're getting divorced. Divorced. (laughs) We're We're getting getting divorced. divorced. (laughs) We are getting a divorce. Don't threaten me or I won't just take half. I'll take it all. And Zach says, I will kill you. (laughs) I will kill you where you stand. (laughs) I will kill you. Uh, (laughs) Murder intrigue. (laughs) Before you take anything from me. Foreshadowing? I don't know. Rachel is like, okay, well, try to keep Tony and I offset and see what happens. You're only the director and the film studio has so much money up in here. That up in here, <laughs> that you can't quit or fire us. So either way, you lose. And I'm really excited about all the '90s references <laughs> that we're about to throw yeah. at y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so Zach loses any emotion for her right, right then and there. Actually, they haven't really had a great relationship. Um, like yeah, the past. Yeah, they year. met. They met quick. Married quick. She bamboozled him. Mm. She catfished him for show. Mm-hmm. She was like, "You're such an ambitious man. I'm an amb- ambitious woman, but I really want to have kids. I'm- I don't want to act anymore after yeah. this. I just want to settle down, have a family." And then I she got fi- she got more famous, and she was like, "I don't want to have a family. I just want to keep acting. Thanks. Just one more movie. Just one more movie. One more movie." Hey, you know how you got my career back for me? Yeah, I like that. Exactly. And he fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. He basically compares his relationship to Rachel now to the relationship he has with his siblings, which is non-existent. So. I can't stop thinking about the Google thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hear me out. Because what I think happened is our phones were listening to us. And so that's why mine pulled what I said and yours pulled what you said. Conspiracy. If you think it's not listening to you, you're an idiot. Sorry. And now, folks, it's time for our conspiracy segment. Megan? <laughs> I'm done now, but I think that's what happened. No, I, I know so many people who will, like, I don't use Siri on my phone. I don't want the ability to, to have her listen to me at all. Um, like, it's still listening to you, though. I know, but I don't want, I don't want to risk it. <laughs> like, I, yeah, but I'm not trying to get on. paper, I don't want to know that. <laughs> if I can remember, I'll unplug Alexa if I'm not using her. Uh, I know people who will tape over their webcams. I do that. Uh, yeah. You should do that. Ain't no FBI agent want to see my double chin. I mean, if they want to <laughs> see it. I mean, they're not getting much, but like just, you know, protect Who yourself. Who knows? But when they see a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when we were decorating for Jessica's birthday party and 
uh, her Alexa just started playing some creepy ass music out of yeah. nowhere. Terrifying. It was scary. Mm-hmm. Megan's like, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, but we have balloons to blow up. <laughs> Anyways, back to 1988. Here we go. We're in 1988. The yeah. year is 1988. It's the next day on set. Yeah, it's the next day after he's caught his whore of a wife cheating on him. Ooh. Whore. Whore. Cheating wife. Yeah, we don't know all the circumstances. I take it back. She's not a whore. Maybe she's a real, really nice lady, but... You can be a gold digger and not be a whore. But just break up with somebody. Don't cheat on them. Just do the decent thing, right? Come on. All right. Be a sport. Yeah. (laughs) The next day, they are filming one of the last scenes, um, which happens to be a love scene between Rachel and Tony. Zach is a perfectionist. He throws himself into work at the slightest emotional downfall. So... Something emotional happens, he throws himself into work. And we get a little bit of Zach's backstory and how he hitchhike, hitchhiked uh, from Connecticut um, with the guy heading to Hollywood after being thrown out of his grandmother's house. Again, redundancy, but just to refresh. Lest you forget. <laughs> yeah. Goes a little bit deeper this time. We find out that he was working on the loading docks of Empire Studios where Charlie, who is the man who picked him up, had gotten him a gig. One of the directors saw Zach working at the studio and was like, hey, buddy, come here. I need an extra for this scene. And the director realizes that Zach has this look to him. And he compares it to James Dean, but better looking. Zach's like, yeah, I could really get into this acting thing. It's pretty cool. (laughs) He does it for the money. Yeah. So he... Do you want to know what the number one hit song was in 1988? Would love to. Just for time frame reference. Time after time. Faith. By George Michael. Oh. But you gotta have faith, faith, faith. That's how that's how long ago we're talking here. Yeah. <laughs> Baby. And in the nineties. Was it the nineties or the early two thousand when Fred Durst redid it? Early two thousand. Well, oh. I would say late nineties. Really? Ooh. Now we have to look. <laughs> I was gonna say, so we I, have I more say early two thousand. If you are wrong, you have to drink. I think it was in the 90s, like 1999. I was going to say 99, maybe 98, maybe 2000, because that's a cusp year. What's, it, what's his band? Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, that's a dumb name. I'll do it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. <laughs> what happened to Limp Biscuit? They went limp. The oh. biscuit got soggy. You're right, 98. Ooh, you guys drink. No, what? You said 99 too. I said you said 98, 99, or 2000. I was like, I was like, oh, 99. Oh, maybe 98. Could be 2000. But I said the words 98 out of my mouth. You guys drink. <laughs> you can't make your own rules in this game. I can do whatever I want. All right. Back to 1988. We're on the set. <laughs> We're going back in time. So, Zach gets into acting and quickly moves through the ranks. His uh, first directorial debut is a movie that the studio gave him because they thought it would flop. So, they really want Zach to be an actor, not a director, which is why they gave him this flop of a movie. One of those horror slasher movies. Yeah. Horror. 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 Not whore. I see. Uh, (laughs) Reference. So he's working with two actresses um, who are down on their luck. So they've kind of been typecast and they're fading out of the Hollywood scene. Um, One is Rachel, who we know is his wife now. And the other is 
Emily. Emily. Yes, Emily McCracken. Doesn't matter. Her name is Emily. She's a child actor (laughs) who's now hit puberty and has lost her youthful glow. And you won't (laughs) see her again until the end of the book. Where she plays a really important part. (laughs) But that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Emily. Emily it is. McDaniels. Um, McDaniels. I said McCracken. That sounds about right. (laughs) Way better than McCracken. Let's just go with it. It's McDaniels. It's just Emily. So he works with these two actresses, Rachel and Emily, and he's a great director. So he really pulls a believable performance out of them. And the movie is a huge success. The movie. (laughs) It doesn't win any awards, but it makes lots of money. Yeah. During this time, he's connecting with Rachel, and she seems not to be like the other women in Hollywood who throw themselves at Zach. She's like, I want to settle down. I want a family. I want a family with you. I want your kids. They get married after six months. Just about that time is when Rachel... Flips a switch. Yeah, her her movie comes out and she gets all this fame and she's like, you know what? I'm going to make a complete 180 and acting is actually what I want to do. So, <laughs> joke's on you. So, we also find out that Tony is this really good looking blonde guy who has some demons in his past. He overdosed recently and was like DOA at the hospital. Did on revel. <laughs> and after recovering, he, like, reached out to the studio execs, and he's like, I really need to turn my life around. This, mo- like, any movie can, can do it. Just help me get placed. And, and so, they're like, we don't have to pay him that much. Put him <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Can you work with this guy? Hmm? You can work with anyone. So they're, like, blowing smoke up. To- um, Zach's ass. Zach's ass. <laughs> Zach didn't agree with his past or his skill, but he takes him on the movie anyway because... The studio told him to. Well, well, yeah, he was... Zach was also, like, he's actually a decent actor if it wasn't for his personal problems. That's that's the only reason. Zach's like, I think I can... The potential is there. Anyways. But his personal antics are out of control. Yeah. So back on the movie set, uh, the the scene is supposed to be one where Rachel is telling her lover... Uh, who's Tony's character that she can no longer see him but they have like this steamy encounter before this scene is supposed to take place so there's a gun sitting on the table in the background and it's meant to like threaten him into leaving for for the scene so the placement of the gun and the table bothers Zach because as I mentioned he's a perfectionist and he keeps moving the table around and asking his director of photography how it looks and he's like give me 10 minutes I'll make this the way that I want it. And then he has his director of photography come back, check it, and he's like, yep, we're good to go. So the actors are all called in and they shoot the first take. It's uncomfortable because Rachel and Tony are having the steamy embrace and everyone on set knows what happened the night before. So Zach is being professional about it, kind of. He tells them to quit holding back and do the performance right. The next two takes are perfect and Zach's like, nope, nope, do it again. Nope, cut. And, but he he wants to make them squirm, but he also feels like there's something that's not right about the scene. He feels like the plot of the movie should make everyone out to be a victim, and that will have more of an emotional impact, I guess, on the audience. Yeah, they changed the scene around to be that Rachel ends up getting shot instead of Tony when they're wrestling around for the gun. So the crew agrees, and they start filming the updated scene. When it's time to shoot, the gun goes off and Rachel falls to the ground. She did. <laughs> she yeah. did. Yeah. It was a hollow point bullet. Just yeah. Close range. Everyone on set is shocked, including Zach. The medics are called over and everyone is told to wait outside. 
while they do their job and try to save Rachel. So a coroner's van rolls up on set and Zach knows she did. So. Time of death, 1988. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, it's still 1988. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we're not even in present time yet. No. <laughs> the next day, the entire cast and crew are quarantined to their hotel for questioning. Zach is kind of in his hotel room watching the news, and he's getting more information from the news than he actually is from the police or anyone else. And they say that Rachel was six weeks pregnant at the time of her death. Zach knew at that moment that the baby wasn't his because they hadn't had sex in forever. But he still feels sick about her death. Like, he feels awful that that's how it ended. Two days after her... her, I was about to say her death. (laughs) combine Zach and death and you get Zeth. Yeah, we, we got what you did. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's going on? I haven't been questioned. How long are they going to keep us here? No sooner. Two detectives come and place Zach under arrest for murder. Murder. Intrigue. So now we jump to the trial. I don't know what year that's in. They don't doesn't, say. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. He goes but, to jail. It's probably still 1988. The prosecutor is talking about all the evidence in the case and how there are all of these witnesses that heard Zach threaten Rachel and basically that their relationship was tumultuous and... Tumultuous at best. Yeah. So when the jury's out to make their decision, Zach is in his hotel room out on a $1 million bond and thinking about his escape plan. So he decides against it and is just going to see what the outcome of the trial is. He's like, 50-50 chance, am I right? (laughs) They could find me not guilty, and that'd be great. <laughs> so the following day, Zach's best friend, and really, like, his only friend and confident, Matt Farrell, um, who's rich in his own right uh, as an industrialist, shows up to just hang out with Zach. He's like, let's play a game of poker and just hang out. During the game, they get a call that the jury has reached their verdict. Guilty. Guilty on all charges, and he is sentenced to 45 years in the Amarillo State Prison. Which is kind of bullshit because they don't have anything other than motive. It's circumstantial at best. A hundred percent. Oh my God. I was like, how do you get from here to there? Like he has the motive. Yes. And there's a fingerprint on the gun. Yes. But everyone saw him because he moved it for the scene. So he has witnesses saying like, yeah, he adjusted the gun. Yeah. Oh, but he changed the scene at the last minute, but all of his director's notes are like, hey, I'm thinking about changing the scene Yeah, at the end. Yeah, and it's, then the only one who touched the actual bullets is the guy who was supposed to touch the bullets. Yeah. That they know of. So. Not real. <laughs> yeah, and with the amount of money he had, I don't think this would have played out the way that it did, but it's yeah. fiction. The fact that his lawyers weren't like, Hey, let's make a deal. But you're right. Yeah, it's fiction. But Zach gets sentenced to 45 (laughs) years because that's how the justice system works. But his thought is kind of the exact opposite how I feel like it works. Like, he's like, they're only convicting me because I have all this money and because I have this reputation and I'm rich. Yeah, he has all this money and he doesn't go to fancy prison. (laughs) Like, come on. There's so many. Yeah, there's so many elements. mm. So Zach also gives... His power of attorney. To his homie, Matt. Yeah, and he's like, hey, take care of all my finances. Just don't bankrupt me, right? Yep. Because it's his only confident. Okay, guess where we are now? In present day, which is 1993. We made it! 
93 was a great year. I don't know what happened in 93, but I was young. I was in my awkward phase. 28 years ago. We out. <laughs> All right. I had like huge. Put that teeth. in perspective. Teeth. I had bangs. <laughs> the straight across kind. Me too. Ready? Helmet. Let's Head guess. Song, 1993. Helmet. I will always love yeah. you. By Whitney Houston. I, it's hard to hum that song. It kind of sounds like a dying <laughs> cat, but there it is. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Julie Matheson is all grown up now. She's now a third grade teacher that has started a physical and educational program for handicapped children um, that is ha- like that ha- constantly has to change procedures because her principal is a D-bag. She's just like, <laughs> I haven't heard that term in a while. D-bag. Is that brought up in the 90s? Did no, that come about in the early 90s? So we this said is whack. <laughs> it's whack. No, we get a whack. Except with the whack PlayStation. He's such set. a square. <clears throat> but this is the same principal who is still working there years later after he accused her of stealing when she was a child. And people don't get over that. People, people don't, don't forget. forget. <laughs> yeah. You know that's my line. Don't pretend like that's not my line. <laughs> I don't see your name on it. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> like y'all done. <laughs> She gets so mad at us every time she goes. Mr. Duncan is this principal. He always complains about the cost of having to run this program that Julie has kind of created. Julie has persuaded a wealthy grandfather of one of her students to donate to the program. He lives in Amarillo. So So she's taking two days off of work and Mr. Duncan is suspicious of her motives and questions why she's... (laughs) He's suspicious of her blues. He's super suspicious. Um, So the secretary comes in and tells Julie that her mother called and wants her to come to dinner at 8 before her trip to Amarillo, if you'll remember. Mm -hmm. Mm. So we get a little bit of backstory on Keaton, which is a small town of like 5,000 people. And Julie loves the small town feel and that everyone knows everything about everyone all the time. It's super fun being from a small town myself. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, Since Julie made the vow to be perfect, uh, she really strives to kind of live that way. So when she's not teaching and running a program for the handicapped children, she goes to church. She sings in the choir. She bakes cookies for the church bake sale and makes Afghans to (laughs) fundraise for the fire. And she teaches women how to read. Mm -hmm. Yes. She teaches illiterate women. In her off time. Which is where I'm going now, because in between leaving school, teach adults women how to read. So she has first-hand experience um, with pain and embarrassment, felt when trying to make others not judge your situation and what you're going through. So um, she has a class in between the school and dinner, which I already said. (laughs) She has made... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, redundancy, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> am I right? <laughs> um, so she's made a personal connection with these women and really enjoys helping them grow in their personal and professional lives. Because That's personal growth. You happening. can't get a job if you can't fill out the application. And you That's can't read right. if you can't even fit inside the building. So. <laughs> oh, oh, we're girls who read good. <laughs> we're full circle. Oh, hey. oh my god. Yeah. Not to title drop our own podcast, yeah. but. Yeah. Uh. So, at dinner, 
that evening, uh, Julie finds her brother, Ted, who is the Keaton County Sheriff, and Carl, who is in construction in a newlywed outside of their parents' house. Mary Matheson has aged a bit and had a heart attack since we saw her last <laughs> in 88 <laughs> or whenever it was. And she calls her children in for dinner. Um, and this seems to be a pretty frequent thing that they do just because... Now that the Mathesons are empty nesters, they want to spend some time with the kids. So during dinner, we find out that Carl has lent his blazer to Julie to drive to Amarillo instead of relying on her unreliable car. So we also find out that Ted is recently divorced and his ex-wife, Catherine, is Julie's best friend. Best friend. There's some drama there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the same chapter, uh, we jump to Zach's story, and Zach is lying in his prison bunk with his roommate, Dominic Sandini, and he's asking him if they're all set for tomorrow. So, Zach has now been in prison for five years and has been planning his escape with Dominic and Dominic's uncle, Enrico. Um, (laughs) Enrico is a Las Vegas mobster who is going to help pave the way out for Zach once he makes his escape um, by finding him a vehicle, setting up decoys, getting him a new identity, and finding a place for him to hide out. So he, Yeah, but he's like a nice mobster, like a really nice loan shark, just because <laughs> Zach's been, like, uh, included in the family. Like, whenever Dominic's family would come and visit him, they embraced yeah, Zach. Yeah, the whole family loves him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you. Th- I think of, like, just, like, that traditional, like, Italian family that's like, let me feed you. You look so skinny. Yeah. <laughs> he resists at first, and then he's like, all right, Mama Sandini. Cool. Thanks for the lasagna. Yeah. And the letters and the pictures you send me. I'm not yeah. so lonely. Like, I like how they kind of adopt his bunkmate. And... His prison friend. Yeah, he's like, I'm about to break out, but... Matt's like my real best friend, and you're like my prison best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (gasps) Yay! Finally! Yay! I was thinking this word wasn't working out. And we find out that Zach and Dominic are trustees and and are able to drive the warden uh, to and from his meetings, go grocery shopping for him, and basically be his errand boys, if you will. When Zach first got to prison, he was judged for being a movie star, and guys would pick on him. He was in a fight with, like, five guys, injuring two of them pretty badly, um, and they put him in solitary confinement for a week. So when he was released from solitary, everyone left him alone because he now had this reputation of being a badass. Crazy Zach! Yeah. (laughs) Watch Watch out, around. He'll just punch out out of nowhere. Watch out for that guy. It's like, hit before you get hit. Bitch. He wants to keep his butthole tight. I get it. Yeah. I could never go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. I would be super helpful. I'd be like, you, do you want my butthole? Just take it. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that going to make you love me? Take my oh, butthole. God. I'd be like crawling up the wall <laughs> trying to get away. Like, nope. <laughs> get out of here. Dude, Carol would act so crazy that people would be like, I'm not even foxing with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not even foxing with that. <laughs> I do the gorilla thing where you beat on your chest. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Carol be all girl interrupted in the corner. They were like, don't, don't fuck with her. I kill myself. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Nobody gets in this butthole. Okay. Anyway. Unless they say please. It's the only motherfucker. <laughs> uh, all right. Back to Zach. Although we wouldn't have that problem, right? Nobody's coming after our butthole in girl prison. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. In not that. That's not your big issue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways. <laughs> if we were dudes. <laughs> yeah, then we'd have to worry about butt stuff. <laughs> that was in a dude prison. <laughs> yeah, coming near my butthole. Definitely <laughs> like crawling up the wall. Uh oh. Uh, no, Chata. Oh, right. Here we go. So, to Zach's superiors, he's uh, played along and acted like he had adjusted and did everything by the book. So, the warden was supposed to head out on Wednesday, but postponed his trip to Friday. And this makes Zach a little bit nervous since they had set this plan in place and there's things that are to happen. And things that should have taken place on Wednesday. He had a very specific plan in place. Um, then the schedule changed due to weather. And he was like, oh shit, is this even going to happen anymore? It, it happens a few days later. And he's like, all right. Go time. Yeah. But there is a storm of brewing. Winter storm in Amarillo. And the panhandle. Um, yeah. So as Julie is making her way to Amarillo... Zach is getting ready to execute his plan. So Dominic is supposed to be released um, from prison in four weeks, but he really wants to go along with Zach and uh, escape with him. And Zach is like, no, don't you do anything to risk getting out and, you know, you just do exactly what we planned. So um, the warden's a real dick. He has been known to torture his inmates. Um, He puts them in solitary confinement. Or he, like, uses excessive force to the point where they have to go to the infirmary. And he's just a real douchebag. He's sadistic. Yeah. He also likes the fact that (laughs) Zach is his chauffeur. Totally. He's a demon. (laughs) She was going to say the distic. She said it like, um, what's the girl on Schitt's Creek? The sister? Alexis. She's like, his sadistic. Alexis. Or like Courtney Kardashian. <laughs> Said Dustin. I don't know what she sounds like. Yeah. I don't know what Courtney Kardashian sounds like. I don't even know which sister that is. Wow. I know okay. Kim. Good. That's good. The warden also likes the fact that Zach is a chauffeur because Zach had such a glamorous life before. And he just treats all the prisoners like shit. So when the warden is ready to go to his meetings, he calls uh, upon Zach to open his door, walk his dog, whose name is Hitler. <laughs> that doesn't tell you what kind of guy he is. And <laughs> Red flags everywhere. And pick up after it, after he walks him. And Zach makes a comment like, what am I? Do I need to pick you up and put you in the car too? Like, WTF, bro. And the warden's like, don't get smart with me or I'll deal with you when we get back. So they drive to the office building, and the plan gets underway, y'all. He basically, Zach is going to take off. He's going to run away. And after an hour, Dominic is to go to all the stores around to ask any of the clerks if they've seen Zach. And so once he does this, he's supposed to run into the office building and let the warden know Zach is missing. This way, it looks like Dominic was not part of the plan. Yeah, the plan is, uh, it's pretty well thought out, actually, and it relies heavily on Dominic's uncle, that other Sandini dude, and he's like, hey, while I go into the pharmacy and you go to the grocery store, um, I am going to, like, really just circle back through and I'm, I'm out. You need to cover your ass and alibi so they don't think that you're in on it and come looking for me. 
And then when you don't find me, you need to go tell the warden so he doesn't suspect you as an accomplice. Mm -hmm. And Dominic's like, yeah, 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 dude, totally. I got you. I got you. And he's like, don't stray from the plan. And so a lot of this is a lot of this plan. Zach has to rely on trusting Dom and his uncle. And that doesn't sit right with him, but he doesn't really have any other choice. Once Zach is on his way, he heads to this gas station and sees a car that Enrico has parked across the street for him. Uh, He recognizes it immediately because it has Illinois plates on it. So he gets into the bathroom, dumps the trash cans, and finds two duffel bags. So one has 25K in it, and the other has a change of clothes, aviator sunglasses, a gun, and a knife in it and so as he's coming out of the bathroom he sees the getaway car being towed and it has started to snow here's what's weird about the part where he's unpacking the duffel bags he's like okay clothes yes cash yes sunglasses great a new identity fantastic a gun cool switchblade hmm i get wonder why he gave me a switchblade he's like why did he give you a gun he's like the switchblade he's like maybe it's to protect myself that must be why i have it Mm-hmm. But he, like, doesn't blink an eye over the gun, which I feel is a more lethal weapon. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was weird. <laughs> make sure he's prepared. Sure. So, as he's coming out of the bathroom, he sees the getaway car being towed, and it has started to snow. So, he thinks briefly, maybe I should go back and just try this again later. And then he's like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going back. So I ain't going back to prison. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make me. He sees a bus and jumps on it. So he rides around for about 30 minutes and then is let out at this diner. So he sees two cars in the parking lot and looks inside the restaurant to see like what his options are. Who's in there? Like what? Who's good? Who's going to help him out? He sees a cop coming over to the diner and hides behind this blue blazer And when he realizes the cop is stopping, he grabs his switchblade and slits the tire. So the officer is like, hey, you need assistance with that flat tire? And as he's asking, the radio goes off and the cop takes off. So he's like, phew, that was a close one. Too close for comfort. Um, So the woman driving the blazer is none other than Julie (laughs) Matheson. So she comes out of the diner and she's like, what are you doing by my car? And he's like, oh, I'm trying to fix your flat tire for her. So she appreciates the help, especially since it's snowing, weather's crappy, and Zach tells her that he was waiting on a ride uh, that never showed up and he's supposed to start a new job tomorrow. So she looks him over. He's wearing his aviator glasses, even though it's snowing. And she thinks he looks familiar, but she can't quite put her finger on it. So she wants over his M and she's like, you know what? He looks nice enough to give a ride to because he's got a crease in his jeans. So must be trying to make a good first impression. It's a little awkward in the car while oh, Julia is driving. Jeans. <laughs> those jeans. Who knew? Who I knew? was terrified until I saw those crease jeans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're trying to make small talk and Julia's just a little unnerved, but he calls her Miss Matheson, which is, I guess, supposed to make her feel better. Like they- Like a ma'am. Exchange pleasantries. <laughs> <laughs> Julie asks Alan Aldridge, who is Zach's, new identity his alias yeah where he's going and since he's looking at a map of colorado he makes up this city called ellerton and zach thinks he thinks julie believes it he's like she doesn't know ellerton's not real so let's go with it also at this time zach is noticing how pretty uh julie is um she has chestnut brown hair dark but bright blue eyes dewy skin and a beautiful smile 
Um, so Zach and Julie are heading the opposite direction he needs to go. He's trying to get to Colorado and has a map in the duffel left for him. Eventually, they run into an accident on the highway, and Julie makes the decision to get off, and she tries to get around it. So. Detour! So they're heading further and further from the main road and come upon an abandoned gas station where there's a payphone, which you don't see very often anymore. Nope, just the post Never. Just never. Zach asks to make a phone call, and Julie agrees. So he gets out of the car. He needs to call this gentleman who's staying in a hotel room in Detroit because they have a plan to get a car, drive it across the Canadian border, and use the name Benedict so it makes it seem like he crossed into Canada. He all, yeah, he also kind of looks like Zach. This guy is a Zach lookalike, and it's supposed to be a diversion. A decoy, they call him? Yeah. A decoy? A decoy. <laughs> in hockey terms yeah so while he's on the phone julia's like you know what i'm gonna check out this map i'm gonna see what we got up on here and she realizes it's up colorado and she's like colorado like what um it has uh, directions to a house in the mountains so at the same time she's looking at this map she hears a new story on the radio saying that zach benedict has escaped prison and to be on the lookout so she's like, oh, that's why he looks familiar. So she recognizes him immediately and tries to get away. But Zach runs over and pulls his gun and tells her she needs to start driving. Yeah, he panics. She panics and she tries to get away. He's like, uh-uh, girl, you drive. Go back the way you came. Do what I say. I won't hurt you. While she's driving back the way she just came, Julie is shaking so badly she can barely hold the wheel. So he keeps telling her to relax, and she's like, hey, let me hold the gun and you relax, okay? Try that. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna tell me to calm down. <laughs> so he's like, you're right, you're right, okay. At this point, he wants to make, or he tries to change the conversation and is like, why are you pitching, p- pitching up? Why are you pitching a tent? <laughs> why are you picking up? I don't up know. A- I've been out of prison for five years and you have chestnut hair. Yeah. He's like, why are you I'm picking up a hitchhiker anyway? And she was like, this was my first time and I was trying to be nice. So she tells him about his... You had creased pants. <laughs> yeah. She tells him about his jeans and they how she thought he was down. Crispy pants. Crease pants McGee here. She's like, hey, your jeans had a crease in them. And it made it seem like you was trying to, you was trying, sorry. <laughs> he was trying. He was trying to do something. <laughs> and he was uh, trying to make a good first impression. So he feels badly for taking advantage of Julie because she's genuinely a nice person. Julie asks how far he's taking her and he's like, Oklahoma, knowing full well that he's lying to her. Once they get to Oklahoma, Julie's like, we're here. You can let me out now. And she knows Zach is not going to let her out. She tells him that she promises that she won't tell anyone where he's going or that she's seen him. And he's like, that's ridiculous and not true. So you've seen where, I, where I'm going and like, I don't believe you. Why would, why would you do that? Uh, Julie decides to play it cool. And she's like, you know what? You seem like a good guy. Let's get to know each other. And so she's trying to play along and make him feel more comfortable with her. So she asks him if he's guilty of murdering his wife, and he says, well, 12 people thought I did. What does it matter? And she's like, well, it matters to me. And he's like, no, I didn't kill my wife. After some more talk and trying to get to know him, they see another payphone. They're just everywhere. I'm at a payphone trying to call. Even when that song came out, there were no payphones. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Adam Levine, the millennial. Yeah, he remembers, remembers payphones. Mm-hmm. Remember. 
I did it again. Who Fuck. you are? <laughs> Lion King ribbons. <laughs> Number three. Yeah. She. So yeah, Julie's trying to just be like agreeable. She's like, if I can get him in a good mood and he's talking, maybe he's more relaxed and he lets his guard down. I'll have my chance to escape. That's like that's Don't the only reason. The convicted that, murderer. Yeah, that's the only reason she's even talking to him. Yeah. She puts up a good fight in the beginning. Yeah, I will say she puts up a good fight in the beginning. When he pulls over to use the payphone, he takes the keys with him this time. And he's like, you don't go nowhere. And she's like, you know what? I'd actually like to write a story. So I'm going to take some notes about what you just told me about your experience in prison and that you're innocent and all of those things. And she takes this pen and notepad out of her purse. And he's like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. And she starts writing, help me. So then she rips off like three of, three of them, puts them in her purse. And she's like, I need to figure out a time where I can use these. So then she writes something like, Zach Benedict has been wrongly accused. I totally believe him on this piece of paper and he's like he comes back he's like what did you write oh that's so nice you know yeah see I I, I think you're innocent <laughs> see I'm writing all the, right I'm writing about all the notes you told me and where I think you're innocent as to not suspect the fact that I'm trying to get a message out that I'm being kidnapped by you see see that they drive for another 30 minutes and Julie tells Zach she's hungry so they see a sign for McDonald's which we still have to present day yep McDonald's, we still have it. Yep. And <laughs> Shocker, those are still around. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't have flying cars. We thought we would. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Marty McFly lied to me. And no hoverboard. Sitting on their ass watching TikTok videos. <laughs> we <laughs> are more. Shit. We're more like Wally than we are. <laughs> we're dumb. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that movie <laughs> hit so close. They go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, and Julie insists on paying. She hands the cashier, who's this young teenage girl, a $10 bill, and the note she had written that's asking for help. So the note falls, and the girl's like, hey, is this yours? You're missing this note? Like a real <laughs> dumb fuck. Yeah. And shows it to Julie, and Julie's like, I don't know, read it. Like, help. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. Is that my note? You should read it. They didn't have that. Less than minimum wage, hate in your life, you know. Saving someone's life should never be above your pay. And does the person even look at your face? They're just like, here you she, go, bye. She is bon qui qui. <laughs> <laughs> can I take your order? We can have it your way, but don't get too crazy. <laughs> bon qui qui. <laughs> After Julie's like, I don't know, maybe you should read it. Uh, Zach takes the takes notice and he's like uh we're fine thank you and they leave so he asks if she's trying to get someone killed and he's like that girl is still watching us so we got to pull over and act like we are just eating our sandwiches and having a fun time yeah <clears throat> yeah he does it but he's not at, he's like yelling at her he's like what are you trying to do get someone fucking killed yeah, he's, he's not like, hey, you, what are you trying to do? Get someone <laughs> yeah, killed? I was a little nonchalant. <laughs> yeah. Hey, girl. So he just like asks her, like, what, what are you, you trying to get someone killed? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> now we gotta pull over and eat these burgers in front of her. Yeah. No, he's like frantic. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> well done. Uh, so after eating Zach's like drive biatch and don't try your shenanigans again, they drive through the night and Julie is freaking exhausted. So she notices that Zach has fallen asleep and she, just, she tries to escape again. 
she sees a rest stop with trucks parked there. Resting. <laughs> um, and she tries to reduce her speed without causing Zach to wake up. So once she puts on the brake, she throws a car in a park, gets out of the car, and starts running and screaming for help. So Zach gets out of the car, tackles her, and asks again, Are you trying to get someone killed? And he's begging her not to give him away. And Julie gives in. So he's like, please, please, please don't tell. Like, I did not do this. Please don't give away my secret. And Atraco walks over and they pretend to be making out. So Zach is kissing her and she tells the trucker that she's fine. Yeah, there's something in the tone of his voice when he's like, please, please believe me. I didn't kill anyone. Like she, her instincts are saying he's telling the truth Mm -hmm. so she doesn't say anything she just kind of sits there and lets him kiss her and make out with her and then they get carried away he's a movie star and she has chestnut hair they get back into the car and julie is like as soon as i get you to colorado we're done right and zach's like yes knowing again he's lying (laughs) yeah totally totally. (laughs) yeah totally there you go you (laughs) can go as soon as we get there colorado is right it's pretty close At this point, uh, Julie's supposed to be back in Keaton, and Carl and Ted are wondering where she is. So Ted has gone into detective mode and started doing some digging on where his blazer was last spotted. I sense danger. (laughs) We must fight it. We must fight it. (laughs) Eyewitnesses had said that they saw a car that matched the blazer's description at a diner outside of Amarillo with a guy who matched Zach Benedict's description. So... Ted calls the diner and he's asking the waitress, you know, what's, what did the lady that was in there look like? And she gives them exactly Julie's description. So when they leave the sheriff's office, they run into Catherine, who you'll remember is Ted's ex-wife and Julie's best friend. Now we jump back to Julie and Zach and Julie feels like they're lost. So they're going up the mountains, going through all these twists and turns and finally come to this house where there's a sketchy bridge they have to cross to get to it. So Julie gets out of the car and stands there and she's basically telling Zach he's crazy for driving across it. Well, while he's driving this across the bridge, I'm going to try to make a run for it. And then she's like, but I would also freeze to death and I have no idea where I am or how far away from civilization I am. So, and I don't have a vehicle to take me anywhere. Better not. Well, also her instincts are saying, hey, this convicted killer is concerned for my safety because when he goes to cross the bridge by himself under this like raging river, he's like, hey, if anything happens to me and I get swept away, there's a house right around the corner with a phone calling, get yourself saved. So he's still looking out for her. So her instincts, her instincts and her heart are telling her two different things. She yeah, because he could have made her drive across the bridge. Yeah, he could have risked her life, and he chose not to. He chose to take the risk, and she's like, oh, my instincts are telling me to stay, so she stays. So when they get up to the house, it's locked. Julie's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to get in? Like, you're the criminal. Figure it out. Like a real backseat driver. <laughs> He's like, I've got this pot, and it has a key in it, so I'm going to use the key to get in the house, and that's how we're going to do it. She sees that the house is very well stocked, Almost if they were expecting company, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, And she's like, never mind. I just want to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So back to Julie's nap. (laughs) She she wakes up at like 8.20 p.m. And she smells the aroma of steak. And (laughs) I, too, would wake up to the aroma of steak and coffee and bacon. Those are the three things. Bacon. 
You got Dawn. me. Dawn. Yeah. Wide awake. A She's little coffee too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not steak. Julia is, at this point, running out of clothes. Puts on this oversized brown sweater that she finds in the closet. And she comes out of the room, sees the table set, the fireplace is on. There's just this really nice ambiance. And there's, like, these glass windows that are looked out over the mountains. And for a minute, she's like, where am I? And then she realizes, oh, yeah, I'm on this. You're in Climax, Colorado. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, we're not to the Climax, Megan. (laughs) You're in the town of Climax. Yeah. And Zach tells her how cute she looks in this sweater. And Julie's like, the last thing I want to do is look nice for you. I would rather wear my own clothes. And then she turns to leave. And Zach is like, sit down, damn it. Drink this wine and relax. And he's just had enough. Like, he doesn't want to fight with her. He doesn't. I kidnapped you. (laughs) And I held a gun to your face. And I forced you to make out with me in the freezing snow. I just want to have a normal night. All right? Is that too much to ask? (laughs) Yeah. But he does ask like that. (laughs) Yeah. He he really does. I mean, I get it. He's been in prison. I mean, but still. I'm wrecked. Could you just chill the fuck out? (laughs) Tell me about your teaching job. (laughs) So he's like, again, I didn't kill or plot to kill my wife or anyone else. I was sent to prison for a crime I didn't commit. I'd like you to at least believe there's a possibility I'm telling you the truth. Or tell me you. Tell me you believe it. Just pretend for the night. Yeah. And so then he's like, this is the first normal night I've had even though all of the things that Jessica just said he's done to her. He's like, this is the first normal night I've had. That's normal. In over five years. So if the authorities are close behind on my trail, it'll be my last one. So I'd like to enjoy it if you'll cooperate. And Julie's like, what do you mean by cooperate? Like, he goes, I just want conversation. I just want to talk to you. I want the C word, conversation. (laughs) Not coitus. (laughs) Chatting. (laughs) Chatting. So about general things. Uh, whether Julia was married or divorced. And then she tells Zach about Greg, who's an associate pastor at a delegation in Florida. She's like, he's just waiting on me to decide on their engagement. But she knows it's she knows it's the right choice for her, but something feels off to her. So she just hasn't been able to say yes. So they keep talking, and it's almost as if Zach is asking who would be worried about her. He's like, you got any roommates? You live alone? And he's like, so no one's looking for you. And she's like, my parents and my brothers are. So just my brother, who's a sheriff. He goes, a sheriff. And she's like, and then my dad, who's a minister. He's like, a minister. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, I managed to kidnap the sister of a sheriff and the daughter of a minister. The media will have a field day when they get a hold of who you are. At this point, Julie feels like he's innocent. And she just knows that it's true she can feel it which is like her intuition and i personally i just feel like i have really bad instincts i don't know how you guys feel but i feel like i can never trust my intuition <laughs> and i don't For know you, yeah i don't know if that's like the self-doubt or the anxiety in me just like waiting for the next bad thing to happen but like i feel like i'm always wrong <laughs> always wrong do you guys have good ones i don't i I like to think that I do, and then, like, you know, if you look at the people I've dated in the past, it's like, nope, you fucked up. Well, so. that's, I feel like that's different as opposed to, like, putting yourself in, like, situations that can mm. be, like, dangerous, mm-hmm. maybe, or just, like, no, like, no, you have a bad feeling, and you trust it. Yeah. Like, I never trust it. 
<laughs> I never trust my gut, and I feel like I should more. But I'm a heart center. I, I feel like not I'm, a yeah, gut center. I'm in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I have done it a couple times, but not enough to know, like, oh, yeah, I've got really good intuition when it comes to this. Yeah. See, so I feel like you're the best out of all of us. I feel like I'm good at reading people. Yeah. But I don't think... Yeah. I don't think I'm good at, like, Trusting. danger. Yeah. <laughs> and right. fighting it. Yeah. Uh, Although, out of all of us, you were the one who was, like, like about to fight someone <laughs> at, at your front door, you know? That was my husband, yeah. Where I'm like, I'm going to call the cops right now. <laughs> <laughs> Scared. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in you? I would be the one that's like hiding, <clears throat> being like, "Hey, I should probably call the cops." And then my, then I'm like, "No, it's probably nothing. You'll look stupid in front of the cops. Don't do anything." I do that too. Though. That's me. And I end up doing fucking nothing. I'm the person where if like a dinosaur was running at me, I'd fr- I'd freeze and be like, "Maybe he's not gonna eat me." And then he eats Don't worry, me. Carol would push you out. <laughs> Carol would come out of left field just like, doof. <laughs> Ain't no T-Rex gonna get my bestie. <laughs> Bam. Move. <Yeah>. Move, bitch. <laughs> get out of his way. <laughs> get it? Uh-huh. I don't know. I feel like I would be like, ooh, I don't know. I'm getting, like, good vibes from him. Like, he's a cool, like, he's a cool guy. <laughs> but but am do I, I just also, want his dick? <laughs> uh, but also, like, is it, am I getting a little Stockholm syndrome I don't know. Could Can't be. Tell. Could be. You never know. I would be questioning myself. For oh, sure. for sure. But her intuition is right. Which um, you'll find out at the end of the book, which is <laughs> 45 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anywho, they are hanging out after dinner and the news comes on. They see this news story about Zach's escape, but then they, they're like, we have an update. The news story is basically saying two days ago, Zachary Bennett, who was once regarded as one of the Hollywood's greatest uh, leading men and a gifted actor. Benedict. Benedict. What did I say? Bennett? Yeah. Damn it. (laughs) Benedict. Uh, He escaped the Emerald Prison and he's charged in this. And then all of a sudden, that trucker who tried to save Julie comes on and he's like the pair of them were having a snowball fight like a couple of kids then the woman Julie Matheson I'm sure as hell I mean heck the woman was her anyway she tripped and fell and Benedict landed on top of her and the next thing I knew they were naked naked Naked. let's get naked and wrestle so the basic gist of the new story is that like Julie's his accomplice in this she's not just somebody he abducted, but he with her. Yeah, that interview turned her into a different light, a not-so-positive light. Yeah. Where she was in on it the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And she freaks out. My father is a minister. Yeah, and she's like, you've made me out to be this public slut. Like, I'm a teacher, and do you think they're going to let me come back and work with kids when all of this is out? I don't think so, bruh. Zach feels really bad, but he's yeah. like, ooh, I really want... It was want- either that or go back to prison. Yeah, so... so. <laughs> yeah. And she breaks down at this point, and she's like, I've spent the last 15 years of my life trying to be perfect. I've been so perfect. Image is ruined. He tells Julie not to cry, and he puts his hands on her face, so... Don't cry, girl. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. So they're having this moment... He decides this is a good time to kiss her. As he does, he's like, 
kiss me back, open your mouth, like giving her all these commands and she obeys them. And at this point they're full on making out. So he puts his hand under her shirt and starts feeling on her breasts. They've known each other for 17 hours at this point, my friends, just saying. And there's definitely some heavy petting going on up in here. All of a sudden she's like, just stop it right now. After he had said something to her, like, to the effect of, little one. Yeah, he he calls her, like, this term of endearment, little one. And it immediately, like, flashes her back to his movie roles. Mm-hmm. And how he was, like, really, really good at acting and making people feel like he was into them. So she's like, oh, he's bamboozling me and making me feel like he really wants me. When I'm just another hole, because he's been in prison for five years. Zach asks... If Julie is scared of him and she's like, no, she says that men in his situation would be okay with being with any woman. And he's offended. He's like, I've had my fair share. I'm not so hard up that I will do anything just to just to bed someone. And then he also realizes that Julie feels bad for him. And she's basically implying that she was trying to make him feel better because it must have really sucked to be innocent and be in jail. Uh, Zach is embarrassed and he tells Julie just like go to bed I don't even want to talk about this so he sits back down to watch the news after Julie hates the hay the news story says that he was in a skirmish with authorities and he's been <laughs> skirmish 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 <laughs> the way you're looking for is skirmish skirmish <laughs> like you want to fight but you're uncomfortable about it squirmish <laughs> we all have our words right <laughs> oh my gosh squirmish. you're ready to just say <laughs> I read something totally different she put a Wait, Q-U where, where there shouldn't have been a Q-U <laughs> it doesn't even say Q-U on there I did not Type that word out. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Squirmish. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they were all like, ooh. <laughs> Let's go, but don't touch me. It's in a fight where no one felt comfortable. Okay. Carol's learning so much on this podcast. <laughs> okay. So Dominic was in a squirmish. He did it again. <laughs> Skirmish. <laughs> so this is a prologue. And polar blades. Squirm. Polar blades. Skirmish. Skirmish. Like skir- skirmish. Skirmish. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. We're back on the straightened arrows path. Skirmish. Right? Did I get it? What? Skirmish? Yes, yeah, skirmish. Good. <laughs> Alright, he's got it now. <laughs> he has been transferred uh, back to the Amarillo Penitentiary. Penitentiary. <laughs> Hold on. The penitentiary. The penitentiary. <laughs> penitentiary. The prison. Where it's a, jail. It's an yeah. Amarillo prison. <laughs> And the news is like, yes, he shared the cell with Benedict, who uh, is still at large. So warden Wayne Hadley describes Sandini as extremely dangerous. So basically, he's trying to make excuses for Dominic being in this situation and having been beat up, essentially. Yeah, yeah Zach is like flabbergasted. 
he was like, I did not expect the, the warden to go this route. He thought that the warden was gun, going to praise Dominic for coming to him and being like, hey, Zach has escaped. Like, what do we do now? (laughs) And instead, he throws Dominic under the bus and is like, he was still an accomplished... Oh, by the way, he, quote, fought and tried to escape. So now he's in solitary and he he was beaten badly for escaping. And Zach starts to feel, like, super guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And he was an accomplice. What did I say? Accomplish. (laughs) (laughs) We are nailing it with our words. But also, Zach, like, was like, here's the plan. Stick to the plan. Do the plan. And Dom's like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then he doesn't do any of those things. Well, we don't know, because... I read it. It alludes to it. Like I, I read it like Hadley made all of that up. Because he was mad that uh, yeah. Zach escaped. He wanted to take um, it out on somebody. Yeah. That I yeah. made that, like, to me. Maybe I just look at it, looked at it as foreshadowing because he kept being like, stick to plan. Stick to the plan. So stick to I the think plan. the author put that in there so we would think that. Here's another thing, though, is that the person that makes this announcement is Tom Brokaw. And this author does a lot of name dropping in this book. She's she's celebrity, celebrity, celebrity. That sex scene with Glenn Close and Julia Roberts and Tom Brokaw and Kevin Costner. He's my best friend, and I'm just like like all the names. Is that supposed to make it more believable or relevant? Like I was not a fan of that. I didn't. I don't like name drop. I don't, I, mean, in general. I don't care one way or the other, but like it just got annoying after a while because it was every other mm-hmm. page. Yeah, oh. maybe it was to be like, oh, he's a real actor. Yeah. He's not a faux actor. And then Meredith Streep was like, and the winner is Who? Meredith Mered. Oh my Meryl? god, Meryl Meryl Streep. Streep. Yeah, Meryl Streep. And then Meryl Streep was like, <laughs> and the winner <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Meredith is the character in this book. I'm not wow, we too far off. Killing it. Words are hard. <laughs> Time is weird. Words are hard. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So there's also an update to this new story that says that three guards were assaulted before Sandini was finally recaptured and subdued. So they're like, he's in critical condition. He's been taken to the hospital. And there's rumors of a convict uprising um, back in Amarillo. And those reports have been confirmed. So the governor is considering sending in the National Guard troops if necessary. And the prisoners are, like, taking advantage of the media coverage of Zach. So... Dominic is um, in the prison infirmary, and Zach, at this point, thinks that he's got a curse. So, first his parents died, then his brother, his grandfather, and then his wife. And so, he's like, if Sandini dies, there's no way to blame anyone except myself. Zach actually felt as if there was some sort of, like... Curse? Bad juju. (laughs) attached to him and that he's the reason that all of these terrible things are happening to people Mm -hmm. around him the next morning uh julie gets all showered up and does her laundry (laughs) (laughs) she's like hey i can't wear these same pair of underwear yeah well she had washed them the night before but she was just she washed them in the sink which i thought was weird and they were still wet oh okay so she wakes up and she's thinking about the kiss from the night before 
and she this is one thing that I really connected with in this book because we say it all the time with all the other ones like Fifty Shades and she's like if he was ugly and not rich would I still have made out with him? Exactly. <laughs> you almost said it twice. You shouldn't get near the crazy ass because then she <laughs> But yeah, she makes this point and we say it in other romance novels, but at least she addresses it in this what one. What if he was ugly? Yeah. And if she, he was ugly, she never would have even given him a ride. Let's be real. If he didn't have on creased pants, she wasn't giving him a ride. Let's be real. But at this point, she realizes that she likes him. More than she should. She's like, oh, man. Like, the, these feelings are really fucking with me. And hey there, felon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey there, felon. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and she's like, birds of a feather. He'd recognized her as his own kind. So Julie knew that the real reason why he'd been angry um, with her is because she'd called a halt to their lovemaking. So they're lovely. Yeah. But she she wanted to go to bed with him. Like, she was like, I would have given it up, even though she's a virgin and all of that. She was just like, I wanted it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she remembers some line that her dad told her, which is, animals can ch- can't change, but people can, Julie. That's why the Lord gave us minds and wills. Julie's like, I've got to get out of here. So she decides to, after she's done her laundry and she pulls it out of the dryer, she puts on a pair of long johns under her jeans and she's like, hope that he doesn't hope. notice that she, <laughs> she, she can't stick. She's like the freaking Michelin man. She's yeah. like, can't bend my legs. She can't bend my legs. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. <laughs> totally natural. <laughs> and she puts on a sweater over it and she like walks out and she's just like playing it cool. Yeah. Hambles out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll meet you at sundown, partner. (laughs) (laughs) With his bow legs. Yeah. This part's funny. Sounds like, what the... Zach's like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, I'm gonna... Do you want to build a snowman? Oh my god, I wrote that! Did you? (laughs) She's like, you told me I could go out uh, and hang outside because I'm going crazy being cooped up in here. And he's like, I don't care. Go outside then. And she's like, I'm gonna build a snowman. Okay? I'm just gonna... Not do anything weird. Nothing suspicious. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a 25-year-old woman building a snowman. You've kidnapped me. Totally But cool. I'm feeling playful, and I want to build a snowman. Yeah. He's like, why are you walking like that? She's like, oh, I put on these long johns so I wouldn't get cold when I was building my snowman. So she goes to the refrigerator to make her story seem legit. She's like, Lee, what should I use for his mouth? Like, Typically, I like to use carrots, but do you have any suggestions? And he's like, shut the fuck up yeah he's just like you can just go now it's cool so julie heads outside and she had seen this garage um and she's like you know what they probably have skis in there so i'm gonna ski the fuck out of here i'm gonna ski ski my way out of the situation i'm gonna escape by skiing ski ski the fuck out of here (laughs) (laughs) so she goes into the garage and better yet she finds a snowmobile conveniently finds a snowmobile well i mean it's a cabin in the mountains it's not like unheard of it's not unheard of but i would be more like concerned about like why the f- 
fuck are you going to build a snowman? Like, you were an adult. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Act your age, Judy. I'm going to go do snowman. I'll be back. Well, I think he would have been more suspicious if she had shut her trap for five... I'm sorry. That was rude. If she had stopped... <laughs> she would just shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> if she had stopped rambling for, you know, five seconds to the point where he was like, oh my God, can you just go outside and stop talking? I'm. Can't you see that I'm staring out the window, lost in thought. <laughs> I got a lot of shit on my plate right now, Julie. You just Ain't fuck nobody up. got time for you and your snowman. Go outside. <laughs> but, but it's also like, stay where I can see you. Yeah, like, like a parrot. And then he basically tells her to shut up. And she's and here's like, the thing. He's, his mood is terrible. <laughs> he still wants to bang her. After all the crazy snowman shit. Like, <laughs> so all I'm saying is like, to all those, like, books that are like, oh, it was going to be disgusting, and that guy wouldn't want to bang me. Like, you got one girl, like, talking to clouds. You got another one, like, <laughs> out there building snowmen. Like, it's he's still going to put it in, girl. <laughs> if you have seen How I Met Your Mother, Barney Stinson explains it perfectly, where there's a graph. I, have no, I don't want Okay, I don't want so, Bar- so Neil Patrick Harris's character does a graph, and he's like, basically, it's the hot to crazy scale. <laughs> The hotter, so the more crazy you are, the hotter you need to be for it to compensate for your crazy. Yep. So he's that, like, that makes he's like, sense. now you have this person who's a psycho, but she's Victoria's Secret model, bangable, right? <laughs> At the lower end of the scale, you have a person who's not hot, not crazy. You don't really want to bang that person. But then you have this like unicorn area where she's hot and not crazy. Those women don't exist. <laughs> Fair. I love. All right. We digress. <laughs> Super digression. So Julie comes in to change her clothes or to put on like a snowsuit or something. And Zach is in the living room listening to the radio. And there is an announcement that um, Dominic has died and he loses his shit. He's throwing things around, cussing, like. Anything he can find, he's throwing it out the wall, at the floor, and Julie's just standing there, and all she says is, like, I'm so sorry, and... <laughs> this is... This got awkward. Okay, bye. It's yeah. gonna skedaddle. <laughs> I'm gonna head on back to my room. The jellyfish head out the door. Head on back to my room. I see that you're upset, so I'm gonna... Bang. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this is, like, one of those parts where her intuition is telling her, like, there's no way a cold-blooded killer would feel this way over someone dying. I'm just saying that's what she feels. Um, yeah. Also, that part is weird. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but, like, that part's weird, too, because they're like, he's dead. He's not dead. Like, (laughs) we were misinformed. Julie changes into her snowmobile outfit. (laughs) Her snowmobile attire. Her snowsuit. (laughs) If you will. Yeah, she heads back. Her snow attire. (laughs) (laughs) I just think of uh, Dumb and Dumber when they're out skiing. They're like, and they're wearing like neon. That's 90s. She goes and gets the snowmobile out of the garage and she doesn't turn on the motor because she doesn't want Zach to be able to hear it. So she starts to get away up a hill and... Zach looks outside and he's calling for her and sees that by the garage there are snowmobile tracks 
headed up. So she's like, which way do I go? She's just stopped being leisurely. And then she sees Zach on the snowmobile chasing her down. So she needs to get out of Dodge. So she's going through the mountains. <laughs> Gotta get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> she's going through the mountains, high rate of speed, and goes over this hill, um, that which goes down to like where the river's at. Yeah, it's not a hill, it's a cliff. <laughs> yeah. But she, does she die though? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she does get airborne. <laughs> yeah, she gets airborne. She falls down. She goes over the side of the cliff she goes airborne. She breaks her fall on a tree, but the snowmobile keeps going and lands on the embankment of the river. So it's like half in, half out of the water. So when Zach comes up behind her, he doesn't see her in like the bushes where she's hiding. He just sees the snowmobile, so he thinks that she's fallen in. I know, but there's like no hole in the ice. And like for him, he has to like when he follows her in so he thinks she's in the water right so he goes down there he's taken off his clothes so that he can dive in and he's like this is all my fault i've got to go in after yeah he's like screaming he's like julie <laughs> no julie <laughs> every time every time julie where are you julie like Julie, <laughs> Adrian, you know what I mean? Julie, yeah. being a real Rocky in this Do moment. Do I ever? Yeah. Well, are you Julie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think the, I think it's like half frozen, half melted, because <laughs> we're just making guesses at this point. I understand where the snowmobile is, but it's not like there's a hole in the ice where she would have gone in. Speaking of holes, there's a lot of plot holes, and this is the one you were like, this one's weird, guys. I don't know about you, but this one's weird. We got, it's like Swiss cheese in this story. Yeah. There's holes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first of many that I came also, across. Also, she in a like, tree or in a bush? Where the fuck did she, <laughs> she land? She, she says that a pine tree breaks her fall. <laughs> so and it's like a tree she's, she's in it she's in a fucking pine tree no I think it like I <laughs> she think catches it. enough air to <laughs> land in a fucking pine but tree but I think she like she goes dun, 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 you're on her way down and then she's like she stays S hidden. She's in the shrubbery uh, surrounding the, <laughs> not too the big, tree. Not too small. Yeah, a tree well, <laughs> and she's watching the scene unfold in front of her. Yeah, that's my guess. So she's like, I can just take <laughs> off, but instead, she goes down and she saves Zach. So yeah, that part I feel is again where her intuition comes in because he finally gets out of the water because he like goes diving for her mm -hmm. right in this freezing water and he gets out and she's like oh what's he gonna do now is he gonna go into the snowmobile and like chase after me and like look for me like what's happening and he instead like takes off his soaking wet shirt and then just lays there and her thought is oh he feels so guilty that he thinks I died that he's he just wants to die too. Mm -hmm. The guilt has consumed him. And she's like, I can't let that happen. Uh, yeah, but she picks a perfect time. Like, why not right before he's about to jump in the fucking river, right? Like, maybe just be like, Zach, I'm up here in this pine tree. Like, <laughs> yo. Don't do it. I'm up here. <laughs> not I, with it, bro. Yeah. Man. He, she I wanted think. him to prove himself to her, and he did. And that's when she's like, you know what? I do want to fuck him. 
I do, yeah. For real. I do want to fuck him. I want to fuck him hard. <laughs> this is one of those book logic things that I'm like, I can't. I'm, you lost me. I'm out. <laughs> Zach is laying on the embankment. He's near death. He's very cold. Non-responsive. It, yep. Julie is like, I'm going to... I'm going to tend to him. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to be his nurse, nurse him back to health. It's that scene in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Where he saves her from the wolves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We reference, that's the second Beauty and the Beast reference, too. It's all I watch a lot. correlated. I watch a lot of Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're not Disney adults. Let me reiterate. We are not Disney adults. We're, we're cool. We're really cool. We're not like regular Disney adults. We're like cool Disney adults. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. So she gets Zach back to the lodge, the cabin, the house, whatever you shall, shall call it. I think, it. I think a cabin works just <laughs> fine. And she starts to like take off his clothes, trying to get him to get warm. And he's shivering. And she's like, shivering's good. He's still not responsive, but she's like, you know what? Shivering is a good sign. So she's basically sitting on the edge of his bed and she is telling him, like, please don't die. I would have made love to you that first night, but... Um, but I let you jump in the fucking river instead. <laughs> so, But I promise if you wake up now, I'll fuck you. Here we are. Zach, so, Zach, wake up. Life's I, funny that way. Yeah. She's like, she's also... She also goes, I don't think you killed anyone. I wasn't sure before, but now I know for sure. 110% I'm with you. You're an innocent man. Yeah. About last night, um, I'd like you to know that I loved it when you kissed me. Uh, I didn't want you to stop. I loved it. (laughs) If you could do that again. Sorry again about the river thing. (laughs) She doesn't really apologize for that. Hope your dick doesn't freeze off. She does not apologize for that. She fucking should. What an asshole move. Judith McNaught. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, so she's basically rambling to him, telling him that she loved it. She loved everything about it. She would have done it. And it didn't have anything to do with him being a criminal. She just has some morals. He's going in in and out of consciousness, kind of. He's having his deep chills, his shivers. <sighs> hypothermia. <laughs> Slight hypothermia. As it were. And she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave you here. And I'm going to take a shower. And then I'm going to take a hot shower. Yeah. Shit drove me crazy. Okay. I'm sure he's, he's shivering, so he's good. I'm going to... Hop in the shower. <laughs> I'm going to take a nice, long, warm I'm pretty, I'm pretty cold shower. for my half in a day, so I'm going to... It was very taxing on the me. Showers. I'm a victim, too. <laughs> yeah, and then she goes and starts a fire, and she takes a nap. She's like, he's fine. <laughs> so fucking dumb. So fucking dumb. Uh, also, because when you're experiencing, like, hypothermia, you need body heat. And she's just like... What Peace. a perfect excuse to get o- naked with him. Missed I wa- opportunity. I want to have sex. You're about to die of hypothermia. Then I'll take a shower and maybe like a long nap. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to go in your room and slip on this red silk kimono. And then I'm going to take a nap. Hope you're cool. <laughs> I'm sure you'll survive. Don't die while I'm gone. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident that you will live through this. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident. Sales terms. <laughs> <laughs> when you're selling shit you don't have. Boom. Reasonably 101. 
(laughs) 36% confident I'll get approved for this space. So as he's lying there, Julie overhears on the news that Dominic is not really dead. And so she goes in and she tells uh, Zach that while he's laying on his bed, she's like, did you hear me? He's not dead. Come back. Come back. (laughs) Did you hear me? (laughs) Snap out of it. She's a little cold. So while he's uh, on his deathbed, kind of. No, he's on. She didn't even put him in a bed. She left him on the floor and wrapped him and put like threw some blankets. She's like, I don't know, three, four blankets. That's that's good enough. (laughs) Don't move. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) I'll find you. Right. The captor has become the captive. (laughs) Oh my god. Sorry. Okay. So she goes to get a phone. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a cell phone nope, or if it's just, a house it's phone. It's 1993, just a regular house phone. Yeah, it makes it seem like she's hidden somewhere, though. So They are. Yeah, he unplugged them from the... Remember how house phones used to, like, hang on the wall? Yeah. He, he unplugged those and put them in the closet. Yeah. But that'll, that'll get her. <laughs> the little beep, boop, 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 with a really long cord. Yeah. I'm going to put this back on the wall and then hide in the closet because the cord's that long. Yeah. <laughs> so she calls her good friend Catherine because she doesn't want to call her parents. She feels like the FBI might be listening at the house, tapping phones, you know. Just the, tap, tap, tap it away. The whole nine. So she calls uh, uh, Catherine and tells her, I'm fine, but if you could have my parents come over and my brothers, I really want to talk to them and tell them myself that I'm okay. So an hour later, they come over. <laughs> She calls them back, and she's like, Dad, I miss you so much. I'm okay. He's like, where are you? She's like, I don't know. So she's basically covering for him, saying, like, I don't know. He said, the less that I know, the safer I am. He's like, everybody at home is praying for you. And she's like, could you ask them to pray for him, too? And his her brother's like, what the fuck? Like, no, he's your, yeah. he's your captor. <laughs> You're his captive. <laughs> He's the captor. <laughs> He's the captor of this ship. And um, if you got time for a phone call, you got time to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. What are you doing? And she makes them promise that they won't tell the FBI that, about the phone call. And they agree. I don't think I would do that. Mm-mm. Fuck no. Especially think about it if it was your child. You're like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, if it was my child, I don't care who I need to throw under the right. bus to get you safe. Oh, right. Sorry. Taking you all down. Are you innocent? I don't give a shit. Yeah, I can, I'll apologize later to your living face. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to live this lie with you Yeah. as a parent. So after this phone call, I think it's the next morning, uh, Zachary wakes up. He He's in like the best mood ever. Yeah. Jovial. He's ready to live it up. He's like, why didn't you try to escape? Like, I don't understand. The the keys were in the pants that you literally took off of me. She's like, I didn't even think of it. She's like, well, I didn't know where they Logic. were. <laughs> I just needed to make this one phone call, which he never finds out about. She, I'd be like, hey, thanks for letting me sleep on the floor, you... F- <laughs> Worst nurse ever. <laughs> That's not how you seduce a man you want to fuck. But he, his attitude is the way it is because he, he's while he was in and out of conscious, he yes consciousness <laughs> uh, yes while he was in and out of consciousness, he hears 
what she's saying to him about how she wants to bone him. Mm-hmm. He's like, that, that'll that put anyone in a good mood. Hey, I heard you. I heard <laughs> what you said. I'm down. Yeah. But that's literally the next note I have. Oh. But, yeah. That was the first sex, right? It was, like, mm-hmm. very, yeah. um... They start off by kissing. I don't remember that one. I remember yeah. the second one. Yeah. So the first one, they start off by kissing. Jessica's trying to play. I know. I, oh, I I said I was like, hey, I'm gonna end up playing footsie with you. all you guys. Look, since I'm on the end. Yeah. She's got her eyes closed while they're making out, and he goes, "Open your eyes, little one." Weird. <laughs> weird. Uh, weird. No, I'm sorry. Like of all the things, of all the names. Of all the, like, endearments that we've gone through in these past, what, seven or eight books, it's, little one? It's predatory. Oh. Not a fan no, of it. Like, I, little one in general should be wiped the fuck out of terminology. Get rid of it. It grosses me out so bad. Like, what use does anyone have for little one? <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's gross. He's like, you hungry? She's like, I'm starved. Sorry, you almost died, but can you whip up some dinner as well? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've been down long enough. I think it's time that you make dinner. Yeah. Well, so he's cooking. They mm. eat or whatever. And then they do, they dance to Barbara Streisand. Yes. The, the, this is the Barbara Streisand The scene. singer, not the song. Okay. There's a song called dun, 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 Barbara Streisand. It's not that. It's the actual singer. Because <laughs> yes. it's the 90s, if you'll remember. And um, they're, like, slow dancing in the room to her. And then that's when they... That's how they ramp up. That's yeah, right. he makes some comment to her about, um, like, yeah, I want to have sex with you. But He's like, I want you. And then he just... But wow. right now, so I just want to dance with you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Oh. And then it turns into that sweet kiss where she's... That turns into heavy petting. That then he like lowers her onto the floor. And they make love in front of a fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she stops him. Like they're they're about to go at it. He opening her eyes to new things because he fingers her. And she's like, Oh yeah, that feels good. Yeah, she's twenty six years old and this is her first time getting fingered. This is her first time really like having a really hot makeout session mm-hmm. and he's literally at her entrance yeah and she's like hey hey how old were you when you lost your virginity <laughs> by the by and he's like 12 12 and she's like gross do you want to know how old i am you want to know how old i was 26. He's like, you're 26 now. And she's like, mm, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is my first time. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Arr. like he, he feels like he's taking advantage of her, but that doesn't stop him. Yeah. She I, tells him that she wants him to do it, but yeah, she's like, she tells him, she goes, I want to lose it to you. And he's like, great. I can't stop. I'm not going to stop just because you're a virgin, but now I'll make it more special for you because he was ready to go. Five years of pent-up sexual frustration. Sure, him. Um, her, she's, she saved her virginity for 26 years, and she's like, convicted murderer. Yes. <laughs> and then, Sold. But then she says, you were worth waiting 26 years for, Mr. Benedict. They've known each other for three days at this point. <laughs> Three days. She's just insta love. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't buy it. 
Yep. Th- so he has a few thrust into her. She kind of, um, you know, a <laughs> couple thrusts, you know, <laughs> has a little wham pain. bam. Thank you, ma'am. This sex scene was weird because he comes twice. Yeah. He he's been in prison for five years. He comes not 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 with like a pause in between. He oh, comes back to back. Yep, he's she like, comes. oh, I wasn't done yet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he has an aftershock. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's been in prison for five years. I mean, sure, I'll give that to him. I've never. I seen, don't know what that's like. I've never seen a guy come twice back to back. I've seen like <laughs> five minute break here and there, whatever. Back to back, he comes, she comes immediately after, and then he's like, "Her come makes me want to come again, so I'm going to come again. <laughs> I'm going to wheel myself to come." <laughs> but it's not like a what is it? A, it's not. He's not shooting blanks. I think. I think your first term aftershocks is probably right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Well, I got a little bit left. <laughs> <laughs> but he also talks about like how wet and tight she is, and that he yeah is really turned on by the fact that he's her first. Like he's never <laughs> been anybody's first. So maybe that's why he's like, oh, that's... <laughs> got another one coming. <laughs> She's literally squeezing me dry. <laughs> yeah. So they're talking about it, and I noted this line, especially for you, Megan, and she's like, you're entirely too glib, Mr. Benedict. <laughs> I saw that, too. I was like, cool. Yeah. That's how you know this book's old. Yeah, I highlighted that, Throwing too. Out glib. Just because their like, their dialogue is weird. He's like, words like glib, they refer to each other as like, oh, don't you see, darling? Darling. Oh. And ooh, I just, I darling. read it, I read it in like a transatlantic accent. I was like, fetch <laughs> me my drink, darling. Yeah, that grosses me out and I can't, I cannot. It <laughs> makes me feel uncomfortable. My vagina like shrivels. It like <laughs> closes in on itself. It's not having it. She goes from a juicy peach <sighs> to a prune. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Your whispering eyes turn into a dry old prune. <laughs> to a lazy eye. eye. <laughs> um, I can't even remember what the fuck I was going to say. So, never mind. <laughs> Just sucks it right up. Just sucks all the carbs right up. <laughs> Darling, her vagina inverts in itself. You like that, baby? (laughs) Same, same vibes. Your vagina literally jellyfished away. I'm out. Anyway, I was saying the southern darling is not. It doesn't bother me. Like I find it attractive. Yeah. And for some reason, darling. Ugh. When a guy oh, uses darling, it, it's like even girls like darling, darling. Can, can't we get Popeyes? <laughs> 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 darling, would you go through the McDonald's drive-through, darling? Get me a Big Mac. Yeah, but do it without an accent. Because we all we always want to revert to like an accent, right? Okay. Because that's what makes sense in our brain. But do it without one and see how unfucking comfortable you are, darling. Can you go get me a Big Mac, darling? I can't do it. My mind <laughs> okay, will not allow it. it. Right. Adrian, darling, please continue. After the sexual intercourse, their relationship changes. So 
they have fun together. They watch movies. They go outside. They have snowball fights. Um, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. There's something strange <laughs> and almost kind. <laughs> There's one night where they're watching movies. Julie asks Zach what she should watch. And she's like, I don't want to watch stuff with you in it. I don't want to see you fake having sex with some other yeah, girl. because I'd be jealous. Because then you'd use those moves on me, which is, I relate with her. I'm like, I don't want to see that either. I would, I get it. But she says later that the real reason is because she's jealous. They also watch Dirty Dancing. And then he rips that movie apart. Yeah. Now she's a good dancer. Patrick, Patrick Swayze is a douche. She can't fucking dance. He rips every movie apart. Yeah. He's like, the lighting isn't good. Their He's acting critical. isn't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's just watching it with him, and she's like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. How dare he attack Swayze? <laughs> How dare him? Nobody puts Swayze in a corner. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. After they have this night of movies, one of the other nights they are telling each other stories of their, their pasts. Zach, I believe, is the one that starts starts telling her about his backstory, about how his grandfather wasn't a great dude who brought him prostitutes when he was young. And he also tells him how Justin really died. He says that Justin was gay and terrified to tell anyone. So instead of coming to terms with it, he committed suicide. And he had told Zach about it about an hour before he had done it. He also says no one even knows that he's actually, his real name is Zachary Stanhope mm-hmm. instead of Zachary Benedict. Yeah, his middle name is Benedict. <clears throat> yeah. But he's also kind of explaining his relationship with his grandmother or lack thereof. You had to know my grandmother. Um, she had really high standards. She had to deal with my grandfather for so long that I think that's what, the why she is the way she is. She basically quit trying after they got married. The only one of us kids that my grandmother ever really approved of was Justin because she reminded, or she was reminded of her side of the family by him. He's the only one that resembled her side of the family. And he starts to tell her, too, about his siblings, Alex and Elizabeth, um, and that they, their partying passed. Elizabeth had an abortion when she was young. Alex had been busted twice with drugs. And he just tells her everything about the past. So we learn a little bit more about that. But basically, it's the same, the same story from the beginning. Yeah. Okay, you are not this perfect, innocent angel. You've, I see you've, you've lived life. You've lived a life beforehand. Yeah. After Zach tells Julie about his past, she starts to tell him about her past. Yeah. And basically, it's the same thing that we already know. Julie hears on the news, there's a doctor that they brought on to the news segment to talk about the Zachary Benedict situation. (laughs) To weigh in with his opinion. Yeah. And he's like, by now, Miss Matheson has reached the stage that I like to call the gratitude dependent syndrome. So basically, he's saying she has Stockholm Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. She sees her captor as her protector. She's probably fallen in love with him. And she was like... Whoa, 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 what? Yeah, Julie. <laughs> Julie's thought is there's no way this is true. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Even though there's like some slight truth to it, right? Like she's doing all the typical behaviors that he's describing on paper, but the motives don't align with what he's saying. And that's where she's like, that's not real because he's different. And my intuition says that he's innocent and I'm 
I could have escaped if I wanted to. I could have, but I just don't because I want to keep having sex with him and all these fade to black sex scenes that they have, which are a lot, a lot. There's like two, one or two sex scenes that go into detail and everything else is just a whole bunch of fade to black. There are two, but a total of four sex scenes. It's so irritating. Yeah. After she hears this story, Zach invites her to one last dinner. And he's like, you need to go live your life. You need to go back home. Like, I don't have the same feelings that you do for me. You don't know what love is. He's pushing her away because he knows that it can't last. Right. And he doesn't want lingering feelings. So the first time he tries to tell her to leave. So what happens is, is they're in this like bliss throughout the week of her being in the cabin. Right. And then they're outside. They have that snowball fight when a helicopter is like hovering over the area. He panics, shoves her in the woods and is like, don't worry about what happens to me. Just get out of here while you can save yourself. Yeah. And it turns out to be skiers. Yeah. It turns out to not be like the place, just like some random backcountry skiers going to the next spot. Right. So that kind of freaks him out a little little bit. And he's like, she doesn't belong here. She needs to leave. I don't want her to get in trouble for for what's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So he tries to kick her out. Yeah. And they get in this, like, argument, and that's when he's, like, shuts down on her and tells her that he doesn't have feelings for her, and this is just, like, a a one-time thing. Yeah. He's never going to see her again, like, once she leaves, they're done forever, and... Yeah. This was just something that happened that she's going to have to get over. And he's like, hey, in the morning, you need to be gone, type of thing. So she goes to her room to sleep. He's in his room. And he's, he's like, torn up about it. He's like, I know I hurt her, but it's for the best. Mm-hmm. The next day, she's going to leave. And he's like, I'm so sorry about what I said. Yeah, I didn't mean stay. any of it. Please stay. Just like, okay, I will. I'm falling in love with you. Yeah. He's like, don't say that, but yeah. let's have sex. So it doesn't go into a lot of detail. I don't feel yeah. like she goes into the room and then... He is, like, trying to prove a point, so he follows her because she's like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. And closes herself <laughs> in the bedroom. And then he comes in after her, and he's like, and then he is like, tell me you want it. And then he... He doesn't fuck her, though. He fingers her to have an orgasm, and then he leaves. And he doesn't, he doesn't get off. Her? No. In this scene, oh, in this scene, that shit he's too. like... <laughs> He was proving to himself and to her. God. Okay. (laughs) He was proving to himself and to her that he does not need her for anything. So, yeah. So, I was reading it as, like, he pushed in and did not realize it was his fucking finger. So, that's cool. (laughs) He has a really fat finger. Yeah, no, he, and that's what hurts her so bad. She's like, he wouldn't even have sex with me. Like, Mm -hmm. she felt humiliated. And then... That's that night, and then the next night, sorry, the next morning, she goes to leave, and he's like, I didn't mean any of it. I'm so sorry. Please stay. And then they have actual fade to black sex. Mm. But then the next day, yeah, she really does leave. Yeah, the next day, she, they have, like, the last meal. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, for real, though, you gotta go. And so she drives back down to Texas. She, so she calls her parents when she gets to Oklahoma, and she's like... I'm on my way home. No need to worry about me. Mm-hmm. When they get there, there's hugs, embraces, lots of love. And, of course, there's lots of media. There's lots of FBI. 
just trying to figure out what happened. The media is basically hounding her for days, trying to get her to tell the story of what happened. And she finally agrees to do this interview. ABC News or something. No, she has a press conference. In the gymnasium. <laughs> On the news. Yeah. But it, it's like broadcast everywhere. It's not yeah. one of those ones that's just in Well, there's town. like 12 different microphones <laughs> yeah. on the... Uh, yeah. Podium. Thank you. I was thinking pedestal. I was like, that's not right. Don't say it, Jessica. Don't do it. But yeah. But they're asking her some pretty tough questions like, did he rape you? Do you love him? And she answers everything like pretty flawlessly. In yeah, my she does opinion. a really good job. Yeah. Very evasive. Yeah. She says what like a good guy he is and that she believes mm-hmm. that he didn't actually commit the murder yeah they're like <laughs> i just love the one part where he's like the one of the reporters is like did he threaten you with a gun she's like well i saw a gun <laughs> and i knew that he had a gun he had a gun <laughs> and so i knew that it was better if i didn't um like f- endanger myself because he had a gun even right. though he had shoved it in her face and then they're like yeah. and then they go uh do you love him and she's like, it's hard not to love him. Yeah. Who could say? I could see why other women loved him yeah, so much. At one point, everyone loved him, <laughs> yeah. didn't they? Like, she's very she's very glib <laughs> yeah. with her answers. And she handles it really well, I think. And she's, in her head, she's like, great, now the media's going to go away. The FBI know that I'm not a part of it because mm-hmm. there's nothing to prove that I was. Meanwhile, in Chicago, Matthew and his wife, Meredith, have seen this interview. And they've also been in contact with Zach. He had given them a letter to give to Julie, expressing his real feelings and asking her if she's pregnant, which I thought was... Well, I mean, think about it. They had sex for a straight week, unprotected. And he doesn't know what's happening with her. And he's off in South America. He purchased a boat that he not named. What did they call? What do they call when you name a boat? Coined her, Julie? No. Christened. Thank you. He christened the boat. (laughs) She comes in with the one words. Yeah. Christened is the word you're looking for. Um, He christened. Podium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He christened the boat, Julie. Accomplice. (laughs) Skirmish. (laughs) That was Jessica. (laughs) He's trying to stay away from her. It's been like a few weeks. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I just, I need to know how she's doing. I need to know whether or not she's pregnant. Um, And so he's like, I can't write to her directly because I know that they're watching her. So I'm going to write to my best friend, Matt, and tell him to deliver the letter on my behalf. So I I don't think it's weird. There's no other way that he could have known. It's a great segue into their meat (laughs) yeah so matthew and meredith deliver this letter julie reads it and he's confessing his love for her just saying i do love you i do want to be with you i miss you so much well he's like he's like i wish i wish things could be different Mm -hmm. you'll never hear from me again but i just wanted you to know if you are pregnant reach out to my grandmother she's never she's never shirked her responsibilities and she'll, she'll, she'll take care of the baby financially. But then one day when she's at school, at Shubin, she gets a message from uh, the secretary. And she says that a Mr. Stanhope. Stanhope had called. Thank you. Coming in clutch. 
Why the fuck would he tell her, like, take her to my grandma? It's one of those Swiss cheese holes that we talked so about early. Oh, the heartless yeah. bitch that kicked me out when I was 18 without a fucking dime or a car or anything. Like, you give the, give our child to her. Yeah, mm -hmm. he... Makes perfect fucking sense. <laughs> my friend, who is a successful man who has power of attorney over all of my money, who has a wife and a child, not the best option. He Grandma. Evil grandma, her for sure. <laughs> he does. He fucking oh. He expresses on. regret in the letter that he never Ugh. reconciled his differences <laughs> mm -hmm. with the grandma and the rest of his family. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, if you're ever in need, go to her. She'll take care of the kid financially. But yeah, you're right. Like he is so. Uh, Zach is so freaking wealthy. Why wouldn't he set up? his own trust account, why wouldn't he just write Matt and be like, hey, take care of my child financially? Yeah. You know, it's, so it's weird, but it moves the story along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Stanhope calls, and she's like, why wouldn't you get me? Like, this is a very important call. She waits for him, basically, to call back, and she he doesn't he doesn't think that they're tracing his calls to the school, even though the FBI is literally watching every move she makes. So there's this one agent, Paul, who has been there for a while and has gotten to kind of know Julie and likes her. Likes her. Like, as more than a he, friend. He, like, like, likes her. But he doesn't want to act on it because, one, it's a small town, and two... It's, it's unprofessional. Some, totally unprofessional. <laughs> anyway, back to... He calls her at the school. He wants to meet her principal or the secretary is like well i told him that he could call back later and he mentioned something about 7 p.m so she stays at school stays sticks around hoping that he'll call her back so while she's waiting the janitor is like cleaning the office and doing whatever when she does get the phone call from mr stanhope aka it's zach and she tries to play it cool and they're talking and she hints at hey i am pregnant because she's like that's the only way i can get him to meet with me is through this uh fictional child and so he's like hey come to mexico i'll meet you at the airport one of my friends is gonna reach out to you with like all the details you need to kind of like lose your identity you'll never be able to see your family again is that something that you want and she's like as long as i have you i don't need anyone else she had um originally relayed a message to matt if you speak to him again tell him that i love him tell him all these things and whatever else so while she's talking to zach on the phone the janitor overhears and that's when he calls paul the fbi agent and they start tailing her. I mean, that's that's how they agreed to meet. And he's like, in eight days time, I'll see you at the airport in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we'll be, we'll be together. And she's super happy about it. Girl can't wait. So she starts getting her affairs in order in the meantime. I'm going to Mexico. Yeah, she like she like super cleans her house and you write all a note. I'm out. Goodbye. Yeah, she writes her family like this long letter about how she loves them, but she loves Zach and all this stuff. Thanks for doing all the things for me and changing my life. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to Mexico. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> but while this is happening, that stuff goes down in Hollywood. All the actors from the Destiny movie who were involved. So it's like Tom. 
the director of photography, Tony Austin, and then it's Emily... Diana. McDaniels. McDaniels. Diana something or another. Yeah. yeah. They're all getting, like, these threatening messages, like, you know who killed Rachel? If you don't come clean, I'm going to come after you. And they think it's Zach. Yeah. And they say that Zach has even been spotted. Like, witnesses are like, Zach's been spotted in the area. And so the media, the police think that he's back in L.A., Hollywood, making these threats. It's on the news. Julie sees it on the news, and she starts to doubt. The little seed is planted. She's like, why is he doing this? That can't be him. But in the back of her head, she's like, who could it be? But also, she decides at this time to go and visit Margaret Stanhope. Grandmother Stanhope. And... Her motive was to try to make things right between them, but Margaret Stanhope is a real bitch. She is really stuck in her ways and in her beliefs, and there's no way. When Julie arrives, she knocks on the door, and the hilp is like, or Miss Stanhope says, you've got five minutes. Yeah. To tell her why you're here and julie's like hey i'm julie and she's like i know who you are like i don't need you to tell me and now you have four and a half minutes <laughs> don't waste your breath mm-hmm. and then she's like i was with your grandson and she was like he's not my grandson and she's like well this is my time like i'm not gonna she's like stop wasting my time and let me tell my story yeah with your technicalities <laughs> and such so she wants to tell margaret why why she's there and it's about justin she wants to tell her that justin had killed himself that he was gay and she thinks that zach is totally innocent from committing these murders and this part to me is a fucking plot hole too because she knows from her experiences with zach that like he did not want to contact grandma grandma threw him out on the street with nothing And was like, get the fuck out. Without talking to him, without anything. And this broad has the audacity to go find her and then try to talk about something that she doesn't even know the full story about. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why would you... Like, if y'all had been in a relationship for a few years or something, like, I I could maybe get on board with that, but like... You knew him three days, you don't know the full story, you don't know any of his history, and then you seek this woman out? Like, why? It doesn't make any fucking sense. She grossly misinterprets his letter on that part, because he's like, I will always live with regret over Mm -hmm. what could have been between my... Uh, with the relationship between my grandmother and myself. And so she takes it upon herself. Would you ever, though? Never. Would you fucking ever? Like, I honestly. No. But so, well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Honestly. She grossly misinterprets what he's saying. Cause if he's, she was, like, down on her luck, had zero dollars, was pregnant, and was like, hey, I got this letter. Maybe I'll go confront his grandma. Sure. That yeah. makes sense. That storyline makes sense to me. But, like, out of the fucking blue because you read one line in his letter like well she's probably like i'm gonna tie up these loose ends before i head on out to mexico and nobody ever sees me again that's not her loose end though oh i agree no yeah dumb going back and forth with margaret saying like she doesn't believe that uh zach is this terrible person and basically margaret tells him no he killed 
Justin. Like, does Justin look like a homosexual to you? Like, he's not gay. And she's like, you can't tell by looking at a picture whether or not somebody is gay. And she's like, well, I have evidence of this. Like, I have witnesses and his own uh, brother and sister heard him quarreling with Justin right before he got murdered. Murdered. They were quarreling. Yeah. And she's like, there's news clippings where he says himself that he had done it. She's like, he's always been mentally ill. And yeah, like the grandma just totally bashes Zach. And she's like, everything he's told you is a lie. Yeah. He's mentally unstable. And if you don't get out, like he's going to kill you. To yeah. She's like, she tells her. She's like, if you know where he is, you need to tell the authorities before he hurts someone else. And Julie does not believe her. She's like, you're wrong. He told me the truth. He would never lie to me. And she basically tells the grandma to like fuck off and leaves. Yeah, but she does believe her. She's planted that seed of doubt. Yeah, it just adds to that seed. Like she waters the seed and it's starting to grow. Yeah. Back in Hollywood, Tony Austin. Meanwhile, back in Hollywood. (laughs) Tony Austin is murdered. And you hear Tony say, oh, I would recognize your voice anywhere. And then he's just like, bow. But he's also like, there's a dialogue where they're like, oh, everyone thinks it's benedict like i even said he called me so that you know they would think that it you know take the heat off me or whatever so you know it wasn't him yeah but as a reader you reckon you realize that he's been framed yeah but you you also think it's a game of clue because these characters are all going back and forth like did he call you he called me and they all have a motive yeah we love danger (laughs) fighting danger we love to fight it (laughs) So after Tony Austin gets moited, murdered, um, Julie hears about it on the news. And then she gets a phone call from the grandma and she's like, hey, this was Zach. This is exactly what I told you would happen. You drink. Oh. Yeah. Good catch. She goes, this is what I told you would happen. You need to turn him in now because it's only going to get worse. I told you he is mentally unstable. And that's when the doubt just gets to be too much for Julie because she's been with him every step of the way until this grandma is like nagging at her for this thing. And that's when she goes, that's when she goes to Paul. Yeah. And she's like. Hey, I'm supposed to meet him in a couple days. And Paul's like, I'm going to come with you. We're going to get him the mental help he needs. So, <laughs> scene is sad. Yeah. So, they get on the plane. They head down to Mexico. And as Julie is walking up to him, all of these cops come up and tackle Zach to the ground and arrest him. And then we find out later that he's actually being sent back to Amarillo. Yeah, the, the warden is in Mexico. Arresting that does make no. No, he's running a prison. He would never be there. Right? It's not. It's you're a, not a law enforcement officer. There's jurisdiction thing. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Not other than it fits this storyline. Story yeah, but it is really sad because whenever she's at the airport, because this is pre nine eleven, so everyone's like at the gate. There's no, not really a whole lot of security. He sees her, and his face like lights up. And the people who are tailing Julie and like scouting out see Zach. They tackle Zach. Zach doesn't realize that she's in on it at first, so he's like, hide, run, and is like, 
I'm gone, but like save yourself type of thing. And they arrest him. They beat him up a little bit. And that's when the warden, who has no purpose in being there, <laughs> goes up to Julie and he's like, <laughs> thanks a lot, Julie. You've been an integral part of this investigation. We never would have caught him without your bright idea of trapping him at the airport. And then Zach is like super betrayed by yeah. it. And he just looks at her with like this pure hatred and then like the warden hands her this wedding ring that was had it been in zach's pocket because he wanted to marry her and she just like breaks down and mm -hmm. is like crying and she even attacks the warden for being such a sadistic asshole so he heads back to amarillo and paul is trying to assure julie that you know, I know I told you that we get him the mental help he needs, but I'm going to make sure that the warden doesn't beat him up too bad when he goes back to Amarillo. Ugh. Six weeks pass that he's incarcerated again. And in this time, Julie and her best friend, Catherine, like Catherine's trying to comfort her. She's, uh, Julie's super depressed. She's not eating. She's really stressed out. Catherine's trying to like be there for her, being a real good friend. And then she finds out that... He did not get taken to the Mental Health Institute, so Julie calls up Matt to try and use his connections to get him transferred to a facility, and Matt is like, fuck you, bye, and yeah. hangs up the phone. He's like, you're a bitch, don't ever contact me yeah. again, you betrayed him, because Matt's been like loyal this whole, mm -hmm. whole time. Then she calls uh, Meredith, Matt's wife, and is pleading with her. She's like, I loved him. I had no idea. This wasn't a plan all along. It was like... She tells her about the grandma thing. And yeah. how, like, the grandma was like, oh, he killed Justin and, yeah. and he killed Rachel and now he's going to kill you. So blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She, Meredith is like, okay, I see why you went down the path that you did. But it's still kind of fucked up. I'll see what I can do. So that's what kind of happens in that six weeks. We don't really see Zach's point of view yeah. at all. Meanwhile in Hollywood. <laughs> so Emily, if you'll remember, is the child actor who um, Zach kind of took under his wing, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he was working with her on the Destiny movie. So she was the one that was playing their child in that movie. Um, this wasn't mentioned too much in the book, but her dad was basically her accountant. So her mom left her when she was young. And he was like a dadager. Yeah. Instead of a momager. Mm -hmm. He was like the manager that was always on set, always doing her deals for her, managing her money and all of that stuff. Really, but he wasn't like skeezy about it. Like he was no. a good a good dad. He was very protective of her. Yeah. Emily's accountant comes in. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my dad would never buy stock in Tony Austin's production company. But oh. it was like a sham company. It was just yeah. like yeah. money going into his pocket, basically. Yeah, yeah, the accountant is like, oh, hey, by the way, your dad just lost $4 million of your dollars because he invested in Tony Austin's sham of a company. Yeah, and he's been buying stock for years. Yeah. And so she's like, I need stock to go talk. 
not going into anything. Yeah. Yeah. Literally nothing. Like, yeah. yeah. And she's like, he hated Tony. Like, there's no way he would have done this. So she decides to seek out her dad, uh, go to his apartment. And she's like, why would you have stock in Tony's company? And he's like, oh, well. Tony's blackmailing us. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah the dad is super drunk. And he just starts Wasted. blabbing away. Here's another plot hole, though. Because... She's now older. She's married. The guy she's married to knows all of her skeletons. Like, she's told him everything. For some reason, like, dad feels the need to keep paying this fucking guy for... The whole thing that happened behind it is that um, Tony had seduced Emily when she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Gotten her pregnant. Got her pregnant, forced her to have an abortion, and then he held it over the dad's head and was like, I'm going to tell everyone how much of a slut your daughter is and how she had an abortion and she'll never be able, no one's ever going to want her again. Yeah. So he... Unless you pay me off. Yeah, exactly. So he blackmailed the dad. The dad's been paying her off for like the past five years. But the dad is actually the one that killed Rachel as well because he's the one that put the hollow point bullets in the gun on the Destiny set. Because it was originally it was for Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was originally aimed for Tony. Emily is shocked. She knew none of this, and she didn't even know that he knew about her pregnancy, her abortion, none of it. She knew that he. it was obvious that she had this crush on him, mm-hmm. but none of that other story. And then her dad goes in his bedroom. He shoots himself. But he survives. He confesses everything. But I thought Emily was the one that had to sign all the papers. Emily like, signed the statement because he was... Incapacitated. I mean, well, yeah, he's also not in his right mind, right? right? So she's like, this is what I know. This is what he told me. And through the connections of Matt um, and everything, Zach, at this point, is released on bail. And yeah. he goes straight back to California. He does not even try to contact. No, because Julie is dead Julie. to him. He mm-hmm. feels so betrayed. He's like, yeah. she's dead to me. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Matt Zach, Zach might be an eight. Zach's an eight. Yeah. <laughs> Zach is having a bunch of parties at his old house, you know, just getting back in the scene. He's not sleeping with other women. He's just like... But that Diana chick is all over him. Yeah. That actress that she was like on eight. his last movie. And he does it for appearances. I think he also does it because he knows it's going to hurt Julie. Like, he knows somehow that she's going to oh. see it. Yeah. I mean, he's hurt. Right? Like, I try to look at both sides of it, but, like... so... You know. It was her idea to go to Mexico, and he gives in to her, and then she betrays him. Yeah. I was on Zach's side on that. Yeah, totally. And I understand why he's mad, so doing a little bit of retaliation. Yeah. yeah. So, but he's, he's still, like, heartbroken, so he's not sleeping with other girls, but he's definitely flaunting his lifestyle, reading scripts... And then in Texas, Julie is just destroyed. She feels so guilty because she was wrong. My instincts were wrong. He was innocent. What have I done? I just ruined my happy ending. I feel like for her character specifically, because when she was in a situation where no one believed her, down on her luck, and she was like, I can't do anything to better my situation. No one believes me. I'm always going to be, like, in this position. This family came in and said, no, we believe you. We believe you no matter what. And then she turned around and did to him 
the opposite of what her family did for her, which was like believe her unconditionally. I would I would like have a lot of guilt on myself if I were in her position. Because at the heart of it, she just wants to do the right thing. And this doubt gets to be so much that to herself, she's like, I need the right thing is to turn him in. Not to prison. She just wants him to get mental help. Mm -hmm. That's her thought. Mm -hmm. But then she was like, I was way off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She feels super guilty about it. And he, she tries to like contact him to apologize. She writes to him like every day and he just turns her away, returns her letters unread. Yeah, he's an eight for sure. He's (laughs) like, nope, uh uh-uh, I let you in and you betrayed me. Yeah. So she's living her worst life right now. But she's putting on a good front. But she's lost a lot of weight. But she's also dating Paul still. Yeah. That's what I was the about to say. Yeah. FBI agent. Well, like, like he can't sleep over because the town would talk, but they're, like, going out on dates and stuff. Yeah, but they're not, like, doing anything. I think the most that they've done is, like, he's kissed her, but it's not gone any further than that. Because it's been, since Zach got arrested in Mexico, it's been, like, three months. And so Paul has, like, um, wormed his way into her life. And she does it to distract herself, but she doesn't let it go any further than that. Yeah, but to me, okay, here's my here's my thought process behind that. For any of these characters or, you know, anyone in general, if you do not see yourself going, like, beyond, you know, casual dating with someone and you're not open about it to them then what the fuck are, like to me that makes you an asshole because that other person is their minds on a different path and you need to tell them that you're not in that same headspace but i think he got her through some tough times like she like she says he was a good friend and all of that like yes she should probably tell him that she doesn't have the She's same romantic feelings that he that he has for her that reads as like she's just leading him on she's using him to get over her yeah um, exactly yeah she doesn't see an end an end like a finish line with him i don't think she sees anything i think she is so engrossed in her grief that paul is like this outlet it's not that she's leading him on she's literally just doing nothing and paul is reading into it the way that he wants and she is so stressed out and she does enjoy the friendship with paul Mm -hmm. but she's still dating she even says that she's dating paul yeah i don't know i don't it's not malicious i i i I personally don't falter for it it's it's use it like she's using him She's using him. And, like... But he knows that. He... He... Paul knows how she feels. And he's like, I'm gonna take what I can get and eventually maybe she'll love me. So it's kind of also on him for staying. Because he knows his needs are not getting met. He even gets frustrated with her that, oh, she'll only give me a kiss before she turns me away. You know what I mean? And he still comes back every weekend. Sure, but I think if it... It's a two-way street. Like, this book paints Julia as, like, this saint and she'll, you know, she always tries to do the right thing and then she's like fucking around with this guy i think she no treated i think of, she treated um who was that assistant minister that she was almost engaged to that guy that i think is is worse than what she's doing now i would put both of them on the same level that guy was like it was like almost like an arranged marriage kind of thing mm-hmm. with that guy and like 
she wasn't seeing him on the day-to-day -day. like with this Paul guy they were like going out to dinner and like double dates and like all this stupid shit and you're giving him the impression that like but there's going to be something more that between is, you. No, no, no. That's not fair because you can do whatever the hell you want. You don't owe them anything. Just because she goes out on a date and, and he pays for dinner doesn't mean she owes him a goddamn thing. She she doesn't owe him anything, but if she knows that it's not going anywhere, then she should tell him that. She doesn't know anything, though. She knows she doesn't want him. Come, come on. I think she's just so consumed. <sighs> okay. She knows she wants Zach. She does not want him. She's trying Please. to force herself to like him. Yeah. Which is bullshit to me. I don't, I don't read that any other way than, like, you're just fucking with somebody at that point. I think the guilt consumes her. She's like, I don't deserve anything, so... So I'll just fuck around with this guy. <laughs> Ruin his life. <laughs> Maybe one yeah. day he'll make me happy. People settle all the time, Megan. Well, I do not approve. <laughs> <laughs> I will never approve, and I will stand on the soapbox all goddamn night if I have to. <laughs> well, with Greg's situation, though, like, if somebody had proposed to you and you were like, you know what? I'm going to think about this in this engagement. And then it's like months and months and you're like, you never waiting. know what happens with Greg. And then he's never just, comes full he's circle. Just like, <laughs> Greg's still there with his ring. Uh, hey girl. Yeah. I think that's fucked up. And maybe, I mean, that part I think of like, both what fucked happened? Up. I think both situations are fucked up on her part. I think it'd be different if she was like, hey, I am fucked in the head. Like, I am distraught over this guy. Like, if you want something casual, if you want just like a friends with benefits situation, that I could get on board with. Mm -hmm. Because at least she's being honest with him. I've been here for her this whole time and like, eventually it'll turn around and like she'll see what yeah, we have to me i'm like you're an idiot if you think that this is gonna go anywhere she won't do anything but kiss you on like a mere peck mm -hmm. like how can you what how are you reading more into this than it is she's wearing the man's fucking ring around her neck and yet she keeps going on fucking dates with him doesn't she well I, then they're both stupid then stop fucking going on dates but with then him. they're both stupid okay so <laughs> <Ted>. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, the brother, um, is trying to make the situation right and tells so Ted. <laughs> Back to Ted, the actual Ted story. Ted, we fucking forgot about because he's yeah. kind of irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. Ted is like, hey, we need to make this right. She's losing weight. We are kind of to blame for this because we pushed her into convincing her, her to, to turn him in. Yeah, to turn him in. Ted is like, this is really on you. You have all of the evidence. You have the press conference tape. You have the tape of him getting arrested in Mexico. And then Catherine's like, I have the letter that she yeah. left for her family. Also, yeah. take this. This will help. Yeah. And throws in the letter that she wrote so, like right yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is like, you're right. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to show this to Zach so he can forgive her. She can move on and be with me. That's his motive. Mm -hmm. So he flies out to L.A., to meet oh. with Zach at his mansion where Matt and, and Meredith, Meredith are visiting. But he does all the things that you just said. He, <laughs> he, he uh, goes in and meets with all of them. And Matt's like, I can't, I can't convince Zach to watch this, but... I'll try my best. I'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And he starts and then bad bitch Meredith comes in and she's yeah. like, you know what? I think Matt's done enough for you. You can 
take three minutes to watch these fucking tapes and read this letter. Exactly. So there's your office. Have fun. Here's the tapes. Here's the letter. Call me if you need me. And, yeah. like, pushes him into, like... Yeah, Zach has a soft spot for Meredith, like, instantly after he meets her. And he's like, okay, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. I'll do this for you guys. It's definitely not for fucking Julie because she's dead to me. But I'll do it for you guys. Mm-hmm. So he watches the tapes and reads Zaletta. And then he breaks down. And listens to, yeah, listens to the press conference, does all of the things. He sees that, like, in the press conference, she never, never put him in a bad light. Not even once. Mm-hmm. Even when, like, the pressure was on. And then in the other tape, when he's getting arrested, she is, like, clawing her way. Like, she is, like, in mama bear mode. And just, mm-hmm. like, anything she can do to get to him. And she's, like, attacking the warden, who probably shouldn't even be there in the fucking first place, Definitely but whatever. shouldn't have been there. She's, like, attacking him, and, like, when the warden shows her the ring box, because Zach had, like, given her an engagement ring, when she sees that, she breaks fucking down, and she's, like, clutching onto it with dear life. Yeah, he's like, oh, and she's not acting. This is acting. This is actual anguish and right, so, pain right. that she's feeling. And then and then he reads the letter. So he knows that, like, it was never her intention to not go to Mexico with him. And, you know, mm-hmm. th- their whole plan, you know, was not a sham. Like, she had every intention of following through with all of that. And then everything kind of went to shit. Yeah. So, and then Paul tells them that... The only reason she even agreed to do it, it was the night before she was supposed to meet him and she broke down and tattled on him or sorry, gave his whereabouts mm -hmm. because the grandma had called again. Tony had just gotten murdered and it all looked like really bad. Mm -hmm. And Zach's like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I kind of see. Get me on the next charter flight to... Wherever the fuck Texas. <laughs> Keaton, fuck Texas. Keaton, Keaton Texas. Texas. Keaton, Texas. So, yes, he does take that flight, and he does land in Keaton, Texas. And it is a small runway, let me tell you. <laughs> Six inches too short. <laughs> <laughs> he heads to uh, the gym where Julie is conducting a... Rehearsal. The school gym. Yeah, the school gym. She's doing rehearsal for, like, a talent uh, show or something. Head to the gym. He's not at 24-hour fitness. She's pumping some iron. <laughs> yeah. She's working that Stairmaster. He's like, Julie must be on that leg curl machine again. <laughs> she's heard some great things. Yeah. Well, she's, like, she's leading the rehearsal when he walks in, and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Zach Benedict. And she's like, what's the commotion about? Turns around, she sees him, he sees her, he tells her he loves her, she tells him he's sorry. They go back to her house where they have like a really nice conversation, make up, they're making out. When Ted comes over and he's like, hey, dad wants to see you. Yeah. He's heard that Zach's, Zach's in town. So they go over there, there's like that whole like pissing contest between uh-huh. the dad and Zach. And Zach is like, I'm going to marry her. And He's the dad- like, do you deny seducing my daughter? Like, what's going on here? What here's, are your intentions with this Here's girl? what I don't deny is making her very happy in bed. <laughs> but I'm going to marry your daughter. So basically, they get married. And that's it. And that's it. And then they, she gets pregnant and they live happily ever after. It's an A-G-A the for sure. <laughs> the end. That was a long one. What are your thoughts? Are you all taking this book home with you? 
it's a toughie for me. No, it's a no for me, but here's why. I feel like the storyline was good. Yeah. There was too much shit in between. Like, she could have pared that down to, like, something that was cohesive and fluid and just, like, rolled along. Older romance novels. Yeah. It's, like, that's that was the trend. Was, yeah. like, that full, like, story. And I'll give her that. That this yeah. was, like, a, di- this was a different time period. And, like, yeah. people were not as, like, let's get... To the get point. it going. It wasn't instant gratification right. the way it is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think that there was so much other shit. I'm going to say no, not because of the plot and the and its holes, but because of the insta-love. Like, mm-hmm. her telling him that she loved him after Three five... minutes? Yeah, yeah. Like, I cannot get on board with that. I am down for a Stockholm Syndrome, but make those sex scenes steamy. Give me at least one really good one. Yeah. yeah. And I'm on board. Yeah. Yes, I'm all Lost about some sight. Sure. Yeah. Even that. Like, that's great. But don't be like, I love you after five days. Not believable to me. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it. We would relate over some drinks. I don't know. But I, I would She'd lead it, it on. on. <laughs> She'd lead it on, take it out on a couple dates, not tell it how she really feels, and then <laughs> yeah. let it go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I would say, hey, you know who, you know, my best, you'd be great with my best friend. Like, I would talk to the book, and like, my best friend would really love you. I'm going to say no. I did like the plot, but I thought that there was too much shoved into the very beginning of the book. There's like a lot of information to take in. such a lot to get into. There's so many side characters that it's hard to get on board with, like, everyone's stories and stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't even talk about into it, it. There's a whole nother love story going on that might actually be hotter than the original the love story. sex? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Why, why couldn't we have gotten that? Fuck yeah. Yeah. The, when your subplot is better than your plot. You've got issues. You've got a problem. I mean, again, there were things that I really liked about this book. I thought it was well written. Yeah. If this if but. this book hadn't been sold to me as a romance novel, mm-hmm. I think I would have liked it more. It was like, That's oh, what I was thinking. If this is just like a kidnapping gone awry or whatever, like a convicted, wrongfully convicted celebrity, if that was a story and his redemption... I probably would have been more on board with it. I thought it was going to be a lot darker, to be honest with you. And I think I would have liked it if it was darker. I will tell you that no Judith McNaught book is dark. <laughs> Never. She's like she's like the Nora Roberts. Like it's like very, very PG. tame. Lots I know of that light. now. Yeah, but PG. I did not know that before. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like these sex scenes were probably. The worst. The worst. Mm-hmm. The worst ones we've had. She doesn't, she like touches his penis for a hot second. She's like, oh, that's what it's, a dick feels like. It's like, sh- it's super hard. I feel your erection. There's <laughs> yeah. no bathroom confessional. So what's your favorite sex scene <laughs> on that note? Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a fade to black one. But when the subplot characters, Ted and Catherine, have angry sex against the front door. <laughs> I like that part. <laughs> we don't talk about it because yeah. it's a subplot, but uh, uh, that one was good because they're arguing and she's like, fucking kiss me. Yeah. And he goes, I don't want to kiss you. That one's good. Fuck yeah. I guess if I'm keeping in like what we talked about, I thought they were fucking, but I breezed over it. Apparently <laughs> only fingered her, but even then it was like angry. So yeah. 
I'll take that. The angry finger banging. <laughs> that he's kind of lingering her. I suppose. <laughs> I'll take that. Cool. <laughs> um, was it the first time? No. Oh. It was the first and the only first time, time that we It know was about. like their heavy petting makeout session like after the news story aired mm -hmm. and all of that and they're like basically grinding on each other and it's much hotter than the actual sex scene mm -hmm. um and you know just like the one and then having to pull yourself off i was like okay that yeah. one's pretty mm -hmm. sexy mm -hmm. fuck mary kill yeah who are we doing who's doing um, what when where so i'm gonna fuck ted because Ted had the hottest sex scenes in the book, and he wasn't even the main character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to marry Paul, because Paul is the most stand-up guy. Like, he... That's why she defended him so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, he's a genuinely good dude, and he's hot, so... Paul. And then I'm going to kill Diana, because <laughs> this bitch... So... This, she claimed to be in love with Zach in the beginning. He gets arrested. She's like, I'm wiping my hands of it. No, she goes no to visit him. No big deal. And he, she goes to visit him. But still, she doesn't do anything to, like, clear his name. Yeah. And then he gets, like, acquitted or, or like, gets, you know, The glove clear. didn't fit. And he then she's quit. like, hey, uh, let's hang out. And then all of a sudden she's like all up in his shit again. Yeah. And it's like, where the fuck were you mm -hmm. for like five goddamn years? Yeah. Fuck you. Anyway. Yeah. Die. <laughs> <laughs> die, bitch, die. <laughs> die. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to fuck Matt. Matt was my second choice. Yeah, I'm going to fuck mm -hmm. Matt. He's like just loyal. You know what I mean? I would have married Matt too. I yeah. yeah, I yeah, wanted to marry him, but I really, I'm going to marry Zach just because he's so, he was so treated so badly and just. <laughs> Justin's like, I'm going to make it up to you. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would marry Zach and then I would kill the warden, Hadley, because mm. he's a sadistic prick and I ain't about just torture yeah. for fun. That's a good one. Yeah. So. Adrian? I agree with your kill. I would also kill the warden. He has a dog named Hitler. Yeah. What? <laughs> what in the fuck? <laughs> There's I, your sign. I'd marry Matt and fuck Zach. Oh, switch. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. It's time for six bits. Six bits. Dun, 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 dun. Six bits. Okay. So, what is... Oh, Megan, introduce this book. Okay. It's Kate Stewart as the author. Kate Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love Kate. Okay, first of all, backstory. I love Kate Stewart. I think she's great. But... Agreed. I also love Kate Stewart. I'm not aware of her yet, but I will be. Okay, so the book is called Drive by Kate Stewart. This woman going through a breakup, and she takes a road trip, and she's, like, listening to the soundtrack of her life, and I just... It's so good. I'm excited for it. How so many chapters? Good. And I've been trying to get Jessica to read this fucking book for months and months. How many chapters so we can do our sex oh, bets? sorry. <laughs> She's that's just too excited. That's the point. I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, 42 and an epilogue. Okay. And a prologue. Oh, shit. So 44. I'm going to say 14. 14? Okay. It's a Kate Stewart book, so you think it's soon, but she's on a road trip. I'm going to say 15. 
Don't crowd me. What'd you say? <laughs> 14. 14. Oh, wait, you said 14? I thought you said 12. No, I said 14. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Don't well, crowd me. Take, take, can't take it back now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go 16. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> the only way we win is if we get it exactly. You're an Oreo. Can I just read you the quote at the very beginning of the book? She's this excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So this is a quote by we don't know who. <laughs> Unknown. Unknown. If anyone tells you a song is important to them, you should turn it up loud, close your eyes, and really listen. Because at the end, you know, or you will know that that person's so much better. I just know that this book is going to hit me. This, I, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it next week. But um, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Hey, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of Perfect. <laughs> Not Drive by yeah. Kate. <laughs> uh, tune in next week when we talk about... We actually talk about Drive. drive. Yeah. yeah. I'll be there. They'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on all the things. So, Instagram at Girls Who Read Good. Our website. Just go to our website. Leave us a message. Link is in our Instagram bio, but it's Facebook at, at GWRG Podcast. There's TikTok. Shall we say it at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was talking and you talked over me. She's excited. <laughs> yeah, she's like, can we just record it now? <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, let's Thanks skedaddle out of here. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.